everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad, and I am joined by Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Brad. And hello, audience. How are you? Wait, what? We have an audience. I said hello, audience. Huh. Oh, I, dude, I completely misheard you because I was talking over you, and I thought you said happy Halloween. <laughs> no, it's, was like, that's about, about a month at this point. I'd be a little late. Yeah. You never did wish me a happy Halloween. What the fuck, Alex? No, actually, I have the treats here. Instead, I'll wish you a Rolex Interclass. I don't know what the fuck that is. <laughs> but we have Pioneer decks and challenges and results to go over and some spicy decks thanks to the introduction of some new cards from Crimson Vow. Of course, Thalia is in the mix. That's to be expected. But there's some other cool things that we don't really think about that uh, kind of show up. I guess we can start off with the uh, the 20th. Yeah, that's Saturday, right? So we see a good old, good old trusted, beautiful deck take home the win. What was it, Alex? It is five color. What the fuck is going on? Also known as five color fires, which is, you know, a deck that would there's some interesting things showing up here that's for sure um some new additions we see um a cemetery prowler for cemetery some prowler which that makes sense i mean yes. does it you exile an enchantment from your i mean you can play this on three the deck has a lot of big impact five drops at least a big but there's a couple of five drops in the deck that have quite a big impact well, it's, it's, so. it's from a graveyard so you can you can exile your own enchantments oh yeah it's a graveyard. graveyard well look at that card's insane um no but like that is a new addition uh i happened to talk with uh epic today and um he told me that massacre girl is a card that shows up in these decks to make the winota matchup better so that's that the deck sense. we see now. What do we wipes their board? It wipes their entire board. So if you're not dead to the swing, they they lose everything, which is a pretty good way to win against Winota. Um, aside from that, I mean, I would say what you'd expect from a fire deck for an incarnation deck. But what do you expect from an incarnation deck? Um, I know Claudio's been playing this quite a bit. I see McWinsel's. Uh, won the challenge, which I believe is someone we've seen play this deck before. Mm -hmm. At least a, a name that rings a bell. I'm not too familiar with a lot of MTGO grinders, but this is a name that I have seen before. Quite a memorable name, anyway. The only red in the entire deck is also Fires, which is interesting that they've just kind of like they have completely no gone of away the forge from anything or something. Red. Yeah. <clears throat> And Fires is also just a three-off in this deck. Uh, which makes sense because you've got Moon Blessed Cleric. And to be honest, mm -hmm. if your mana base works, you don't really need Fires, I feel. It's obviously good to have Fires, but, you know, you can... Want, it's more important to get the Enigmatic Incarnation going to find all these toolboxy cards than the Fires, so I think it makes sense to not run a full playset. Mm-hmm. God, this deck just, it, it seems really fun to play and really hard to play. Yeah, I will, I will never fully be able to wrap my head around decks like this. I'll, uh, I'll be honest. I can, I can never see myself play that. I kind I get how the deck works. I feel like I have a decent understanding of how to play against it, 
I think it is an awesome deck in like who on earth came up with this, but I could never see myself pilot this deck. Too much of a headache, too much like a commander game. If I, if I want to play magic like this, I'll play commander. That's fair. But Brad, hey. number two. What is it? It's another fires list. This one's also running only three copies of fires, but it's Grixis. And the card that I was expecting to see in the first place list of the five color fires deck or the five color incarnation deck shows up here. It's uh, three copies of Wandering Mind, which makes sense. Uh, why is someone calling me? One sec. That's the downside of having everything Apple, where my, my phone rings, it rings in my head too while we're in the middle of a recording. Rings in your shit. head. Do you have the chip installed? Yeah, I do. Uh, Bill <laughs> Gates did it for me, even though he doesn't own Apple. I was about to say, <laughs> like, man, he made a mistake. <laughs> he put the wrong one in. But expecting to see Wandering Mind in the other incarnation deck, I thought it'd be a great include. We're seeing it in Niv a little bit too. Claudio said that it's uh, great in Niv, so <laughs> hooray! <laughs> um, like I said on Twitter, really cool. a card showing up in an eighty-card Niv deck just doesn't count. As like it's it in there, like no, it counts. It counts. You gotta find room. Right at half counts. There's room, but there's. Uh, I mean, this deck's kind of. You know, this this deck reminds me of. This deck reminds me of that uh, Rakdos mid-range deck that runs the Bunkers Giants and Graveyard Trespassers, but now they're just splashing blue, and they're like, might as well be a Fires deck, too. Yeah, and they're running that Wandering Mind. They've got Nicol Bolas to Ravager. I'm a big fan, obviously. Uh, the Scarab God. No uh, Lar no big Nicol Bolas, because they're running Gigantha on the sideboard, because, you know, why not? The deck... I'd say that is the only card that, like... I might, you might like consider something like five mana bolas, but why would you if you can run Gigantha? You know, I don't, I don't think that's, mm -hmm. I don't think that's particularly, uh, like, I don't think that's a poor decision. And, you know, you, the deck not running Murderous Rider, and if you would want a Heroes Down Fall style effect, you know, there is another one for three mana that only has one black in a mana cost because it's easier to cast than a better card. Um, yeah, <laughs> Brad's yeah. giving me the look. And I deserve it at this point. Um, but yeah, Grixis fires. Tassigur showing up in the list, which I think is pretty cool too. Uh, Scrabbling Claws in the main. Good way to combat uh, Phoenix. Um, other things. I, 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 do, I am surprised that this deck randomly runs two sensor. Seems like really weird to me. Once you've got, it's also only running two expressive iteration, so it's like, like I know really I know sensor cycles, right? I guess you don't have a lot of turn two plays, so the sensor is literally there for turn two, where you hold up like either a removal spell, a stomp, or a sensor, and after that, ah, you'll cycle it. You've got fires out, so it actually kind of makes sense, right? Maybe maybe expecting like vampires and wanting a solid answer to Sorin. Maybe. And they're going with Power Word Kill as their removal spell of choice. Um, we see a pretty decent split between all the black decks choosing between Infernal Grasp or Power Word Kill. Uh, the easy way of noticing is so far it's been pretty much 
can your deck gain life back pretty consistently? Then you run Infernal Grasp. If you don't, then you run Powered Kill. And Jun Food and Jun Citadel isn't super high percentage uh, of, of the meta, so you don't have to worry about running into Mayhem Devil or things like that. Or, uh, you know, yeah. uh, what's the I, the big boy? Uh, Corvold. I haven't yeah. really run into issues yet with... Um... With Heartless Act. But I think we Power Word Kill might be the better card right now. Because, like, it doesn't kill Niv, but that doesn't really matter. As you said, Mayhem Devil doesn't really matter. Can't think of an Angel that anyone plays right now. I don't like the um, fact that it doesn't kill Mutavolt, but that's very minor. Yeah, are there any Angels that people are playing? I suppose if the Angel deck comes back... I haven't seen Book. So... Yeah, I think uh, power word kill. I sh I should find mine. I don't know if we're gonna play yet, but I want to be able to to slot it in as soon as I think, uh, as soon as I uh, make the call. But I have them I have somewhere. Three of them. I think this also came out as an F and M promo, right? It did. But so did so did Infernal Grasp. They love making their two mana black removal spells the uh, promos. Has it shown up? Oh, that is a good looking promo though, because of how dark mm -hmm. the art is. Um, I like Infernal Grass more, though. Yeah, but that's but just me. <clears throat> not a card I play. I was already playing Murderous Rider, so, like, fuck, I might as well just play that, too. True. And there's not that many Planeswalkers I'm worried about um, to running, be running uh, Murderous Rider. Just wait until we get a better Eliminate. Or it's, like, Planeswalkers four or less. Or we just straight up get instant speed red boar. Yeah. I would love that so much. Give it to me. What colors would it be in? Well, just Rakdos, but it would just be instant speed. Mm. Give it to Demir. Just why? Give it to him. Why not? As someone who plays Demir, why? Dreadboar is a Rakdos card. Why'd you make it blue? What's the reason to make it blue? It, it kind of could be a mono black card already. I don't know. I want Demir to have more stuff, I guess. <laughs> more Demir cards. I mean, Demir doesn't have really any good just two, two mana Demir color cards. No. People try Drown in the Lock and it doesn't work every time. Um, it does in Rogues, though. I do love it, it in does Rogues. Rogues. It's so much fucking fun. It's like, hey, your your graveyard's full as fuck. Hey, my opponent can cast I a can temporal trespass on turn two, uh, three. But let's get to that. I can counter it because this definitely took me aback. Third place is it Phoenix, and this has apparently already been going off on for a while. I didn't didn't catch. I I didn't look at the challenge last week as we were doing the top eight and stuff, so I probably just missed it. Um, so we see third place Phoenix by Spicy Lache, Lishi. I'm not sure. It's lychee. Spicy lychee. Spicy lychee. It's, it's a Japanese plant. Look at like that. The, that makes into candy I thought, I, I, I thought that was spelled differently, lychee. but... Lychee. Look at me on spelling. So it's running only two treasure crews, and it runs one copy of Temporal Trespass and two copies of Galvanic Iteration. Now, Temporal Trespass, in case people don't know what it does, I can imagine you don't, it's 11 mana, 
uh, eight generic blue, blue, blue for a sorcery, delve, take an extra turn after this one, exile temple trespass. So this could be three mana for an extra turn spell if you're, um, if you're delving eight. And therefore this deck is built a little more into delving. You think like, well, you, you're only running two treasure crews, one of this, but they run four pieces of the puzzle, which is a card we had seen in Phoenix before, faded out a little bit, and now we see just as a straight four of in tons of lists. And it kind of makes sense, right? I was honestly thinking like, yeah, you want Temporal Trespass, but then shouldn't that just be like, you go four crews, and then before you even go your first Trespass? But going so deep with pieces of the puzzle and all your card draw, and then that Galvanic Iteration... You can kind of... Galvanic Iteration kind of serves as, like, whichever one you want. It could be an extra temporal, tes, uh, temporal Trespass. It could be an extra Treasure Cruise. And especially because of pieces, you go so deep that you probably don't really struggle to find your cruise, even though there's only two. Yeah, the piece of the puzzle is the one that I've been interested in seeing more and more of. Ever, well, that it used powers to be like this a, up, like, enormously. Yeah. Like... That used to be just a card that was like a one of, like just to try it or whatever. Or sideboard, like going into yeah. control and I want to just, I'm going to set up for these enormous turns that involve having counter magic and stuff. Currently, just just a straight four off, just a good value piece. Yeah. And I, I, I do love, do have seen an old, old friend and two charter course in this list. Also, um, playing mono blue. Also two flame blessed bolt. We talked about in our top eight, like, you know, very likely to show up in Phoenix because that deck did run Magma Spray um, mm. sometimes. And now we see two Fiery Impulse, two Flame Blessed Bolt, zero play with fire in this list, three Lightning Axe. And the win conditions is actually quite interesting. It's just four thing, four Arclight Phoenix. And then the mana base has a Den of the Bugbear and a Hall of Storm Giants in it. And that's it. Pretty ballsy. I like the Hall of Storm yeah, Giants in the 19 land deck. 22 if you count yeah. the Spike Field Hazards. But they want to cast the Spike Field Hazards. Yeah, but it's also a land drop you can find with Pieces of the Puzzle. Which is cute. Very cute. Is Pieces of the Puzzle, is that any instant sorcery? It is, right? No, up to two. Uh, it's not any you find. That would be a little crazy. Um, so yeah, this is, is an interesting innovation. And what surprised me even more... We go down a little bit further to the fifth place list by Ghoul Ducat, Ghoul underscore Ducat. This actually runs zero crews. The only delve spell is two Temple Trespass. And it's only got two Galvanic Iteration. And it even has two Jace Wielder of Mystery. So it's literally just expecting to deck, which I think is an interesting backup win condition. Yeah. That's actually really cute. But zero crews. And that's going to interestingly lead into a discussion we're going to have a little bit later on. Um, this running, so four consider, four opt, two flame bless bolt, one play with fire, three hazard, two lightning axe, again the two charter course, and just two galvanic iteration. So really, all that digging through your deck, going through your deck, only leads into one flashback spell for graveyard value, and two Delve spells, and that's it. And then obviously, Jace, Thing in the Ice, Arclight Phoenix, like we'd expect. But I'm very surprised to see such a low number of zero, zero crews. 
I'm really surprised by in this list. Yeah. It's just we're watching Phoenix continue to do what Phoenix does, and that's just continually evolve. And that's it is the best deck to do so, right? Because it has we've joked about like whenever we saw a is it card get spoiled or like a random blue or red card, like hey, this is just a random one of that Phoenix will try because they can and they do. And it's interesting to see how they kind of make their list. It's also interesting to see how this innovation even developed anyway because like you know i'm not trying to claim any credit because i just i basically copied this of versus live but this was when crim when midnight hunt had just released and the is it turn stack was very popular in standard and i watched versus live and they ran it through a gauntlet and it dawned on me and i tweeted about it and Ekaros like tried to make a build of it and stuff i was like wouldn't this be very good in pioneer with temple trespass because we can have two mana, and then a two mana for your Galvanic, three mana for your Temple Trespass. So that allows you to basically time stretch on turn five. And time stretch mm-hmm. is like a 10 mana card. So, um, but that has been out. And like, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the first person to have this idea. And, you know, Ekaros is even like a very active Phoenix player. And yet it took to the release of Crimson Vow for this to really like basically become the way to build Phoenix as opposed to Treasure Cruise. Oh no, we have to ban Temporal Trespass now, Alex. Oh no. <clears throat> Phoenix I like lives that card. to see another day. I like Temporal Trespass a lot. I think it's a very cool card. Devastating though, and I can see the power of it in Phoenix. Like, one Phoenix plus a flipped thing in the ice just means you've got lethal if you have two turns to swing. Yeah. Thing bounces everything. Like, let's say you do this on turn six and your thing has one counter on it. Uh, It has three counters. You only cast one more spell. Like, you go turn five, I don't know, thing plus anger of the gods or whatever. And that's in your sideboard. But you go, like, thing, anger of the gods. uh, Thing, pieces of the puzzle. Turn five. Turn six, you just go any one mana spell. Uh, Galvanic Iteration, Temporal Trespass, your thing bounces the board, your Phoenix comes back, 10 extra turn 10. And that's even with like an extra turn in the bank in, in case you needed it somehow. Which is pretty brutal. Because it's not a not a hard not a hard board state to get to for a deck no. like Phoenix. Which is where Rockman's idea of if you were to hit something in Phoenix being thing in the ice does have a bit more merit because it's the one that just resets the board without really hurting Phoenix at all. True. Again, this is, we'll talk about this a little later when we do have one, have a little bit of discussion about what we should do about certain decks, how we should go about that. Cause it's been uh, floating around uh, the magic zeitgeist for a bit now, but we want to go over the challenges first and then, yep. So we don't go crisscross all over the place. <clears throat> Uh, same challenge. A lot of burn. Sixth place, Winoda. Pretty much how we've seen. One thing I really like in this deck is a one-off Eldritch Evolution. Um, because that's what I missed a little bit. So we we had Winoda that really felt like a combo deck first, where you had like the Goblin Rebel Master, and that would make you a token. And then next turn you could like sack the Rebel Master or whatever, and then 
you probably wouldn't sack the rebel master but or you could like sack your innkeeper and then your rebel master and it's two goblin friends would swing and you get three monona triggers and you hit like angraf marauder on that and it was like sort of the combo way it was built and because it was so centered around winona it ran eldritch evolution because it basically wanted to run eight copies of winona now it went to a more mid-rangey sort of like i have winona but my backup beatdown plan is very good Cuts all the Eldritch Evolution, goes to be strictly, I either, I just draw Winona. There's basically no other way to get to it than to naturally draw it. I like tiptoeing around that middle. Like, I would like to see someone try two Eldritch Evolution. Three Eldritch Evolution. Ah, that's too much. Let's try, let's go back to two. And like, find that medium to see how many quote-unquote Winodas we can put in our deck without actually making the deck too clunky and having hands that is like, oops, all Winodas. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about earlier, is like the reason Winodas popped up so much or had this resurgence is because the werewolf package allows it to, in combination with Ranger class and a Seekers Chariot, it just now, if you don't have Winoda, you just have this kind of... This this one doesn't even run Ranger's plan. class, though. Oh, really? You see two two selfless spirit, one eldritch evolution. Oh, I think yeah. over the regular list. I think it runs an extra dork, but I'm not sure about that. Or maybe it it like uh, four added two a land. and four is, is the is the is the typical one. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not it's, sure. It's running two selfless spirit. Um, it's running two voice. Usually you only see like one. So if you take away the two subtle spirit, one voice resurgence, your one eldritch evolution, there's your yeah, that will be a ranger right class. So that, that's a change they made here, um, which I think is interesting because I should just mention that it's been going on where they they're like, well, we can we can be more of a mid rangey beatdown plan that sometimes draws Winoda, which just instantly wins you the game, basically. Um, so that's why I went ranger class, and so they have a bit more of a grindy backup. Mm-hmm. And now we see them move away from that a little bit again, lean into that more combo-y part again. Not with one Eldritch Evolution, but like just giving up that grindy element. This might be in response to uh, the popularity of Phoenix, especially now with the Temple Trespass and stuff, where Phoenix might actually, like, is kind of doing that same thing that Winoda's doing, where like, hey, I'm just... You know, turning through my deck, having a thing in the eyes, bouncing your board, you know, pinging some things away with some uh, fiery impulses and that sort of thing. Oh, by the way, Galvanic Iteration, Temple Trespass, you're dead. And yeah. trying to do that same thing that Winoda's doing. So in response, Winoda decks are trying to go a little faster and giving up that beatdown uh, plan in favor of a little bit more combo, a little bit more speed. And I think that's an interesting race between these decks and also an interesting thing to keep in mind where you're not playing any of these decks where you think like hey maybe this winoda deck is a little bit more vulnerable to being disrupted now and i'm playing a control deck generally ranger class would be a pretty good card to play something like a demir control deck it's like hey now that they don't have that ranger class i could maybe lean into you know my deck that is basically just creature removal has a better matchup again because that grindy element is partially removed. Because Winona does have a lot of duds in it. A lot of yeah. dorks and... <clears throat> like, between Elvish Mystic, Gilded Goose, and Prosperous Innkeeper, and let's say Brutal Cathar, which is also not a very scary card if you're playing a control deck, that is 
um, 18 cards that are kind of just duds, and then there's also the lands. So, like, poking away at these key pieces is a more valuable way of dealing with Winoda. And Phoenix, for example, if they want to go for that thing in the ice, temporal trespass, hit you, because even thing in the ice by itself flipped with galvanic iteration temple trespass that is three hits it does three times seven is 21 you're dead but yeah. much more vulnerable to a fatal push whereas treasure cruise straight up drawing three is something that makes you very resilient to fatal push so these decks leaning into less value more explosive starts also means you they are more vulnerable to you throwing a wrench in their plans. I was thinking about sleeving up a uh, control deck because I don't play my spirits list very often. The one that I probably touch the least next to uh, Orzov Auras. Um, so maybe I should just uh, jam some uh, good old fashioned control. With the uh, the additional Flame Blast Bolt, I was considering reworking my mana base to the point where post-board I can run four push, four Flame Blast Bolt and just absolutely dumpster early starts from decks like that, which is like, nope, 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 nope. Okay, your board is empty. Mm -hmm. So, also, that is very nice to do against uh, Voice of Resurgence coming out of this deck. You know, so Isn't, maybe that's... Um... Isn't Anger of the Gods really good here against Winota? Anger is Funnily enough, Meetook Massacre on one does very similar. Oh, yeah. It does. <laughs> a, it doesn't kill the goose, so you might be looking at a Meetook Massacre on two. Um, but Meetook Massacre on one or Cry of the Carnarium. Cry of the Carnarium can be very nice again because they have the Selfless Spirit, because they have the Voice of Resurgence. Yep. Uh, so that could be a very nice card to see uh, see play again. Probably Anger does work against Force of Resurgence because it's in Exile, but it doesn't work against Selfless Spirit, which might be the reason that card is in. Mm -hmm. To deal with the sideboard plan from Phoenix, that can sometimes be, I guess I'll play Anger and hope it buys me 100 turns and, you know, Selfless Spirit is like, nah. I'm good, fan. I don't think you will. <laughs> Matter of time before Phoenix decks start running some sort of stifle effect. Selfless Spirit, no. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I could see it. That, uh, um, they just, they run, they run the bird. They just run the I bird. I mean, a lot of... It is a fun, it's a fun thing to see, but again, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But the decks together have a metagame percentage of about 40%. If you look at Goldfish... So sometimes you can really see that like 60% of the format is kind of like doing their thing together. And this 40%, these two decks are just in this weird arms race. And the lists are going to look very strange because they are so tacked for just the Mirror and Winona. And you're yeah. going to start seeing things again like Aether Gust in the main deck while like the number three deck might be Vampires. Because it's just like, I don't care about vampires. This is here for Winota. Yeah, they just say, we'll just, we'll, we'll take our chances and playing against these other decks and just side out the Aether Gus game two, whatever. 
And the decks are good enough to where you could probably still steal those game ones anyway because I mean, your deck's so especially good. Especially Phoenix, right? Your pieces of the puzzle, your charter course, your consider, you're just binning these Aether Gusts. Like, you know, you don't need... That's what that's part of the strength of Phoenix. It can tech quite hard in in the main deck because you can just choose not to have this card in your hand anymore. I don't need it. Off you go. Yeah. Right, so powering through a little bit. Sometimes then we see burn. As much as I a lot of burn. as much as I want to talk about burn, it's just it is very hard to talk about burn because the decks don't change a lot. Except number seven by underscore against underscore three cemetery gatekeeper in the sideboard. I will take Eidolon number five, six, and seven. Thank you. Yeah. This feels to me like a Phoenix card. Like you run this against Phoenix. That makes sense. You just take out the. Uh, you just take. I mean, you could draw spells, right? I'll take instants. There's a lot of instants in the deck or something. And then you're like, they will absolutely destroy themselves. Or Lotus that we do see in Sunday's challenge. Spoiler. Because you yeah, see this in case of where I, th out. I think you'd often play Rest in Peace in this spot that we see Cemetery Gatekeeper replace. Or they'll play um, or Soul Guide Lantern, yeah. Soul Guide Lantern, Scrabbling Claws, maybe. Don't think that was very typical for mm -hmm. Burn. They do like the one-shot a little bit more because the game will probably end in like five or six turns. So you don't really get the mileage out of Scrabbling Claws that another deck might get. Sometimes you see, um, very rarely you'll see, uh, what's the... Crypt? Thrombot's Crypt? No, the one mana one that just says things can't come out of the library or graveyards. Grafdigger's Cage? Grafdigger's Cage. Yeah. Very rarely we will see Graft. But that does kind of hurt you when you are a Luris deck, so... And the rest we see, four Chains of the Rocks, three Rolling Vortex, four Searing Blood on the sideboard. Very, very standard. I can see you bringing in the um, the Searing Bloods, too, against Phoenix. When the Phoenix comes out, just... Like, no. And then you take three. And then you probably don't get to untap with your Phoenix. So actually, so yeah. This also feels like, you know, I don't want to immediately draw the conclusion, like, oh, so this is good in Burn. It's like, this might just be a test. It seems mm -hmm. really just like we took the Graveyard Hate out, that we normally run, and we try this new graveyard hate, see if it works. Probably pretty good in the mirror, too. I suppose... There's a race at that point. Yeah, you, it, I mean, in that way, that's kind of what Eidolon does, too. Once you're ahead, yeah. you, you play the Eidolon, and then your opponent just they're kind of locked out of the game because they're going to take too much damage trying to like race you. So they're forced to interact with your creatures and that's might be what you want them to do. The only problem I have with that is that it can also happen that you're behind and your hand is like, oops, all idolons. So it is a very... I, I'll live with it. It is a little, a, little of a little bit of a risk. But the Cemetery Gatekeeper does have First Strike, which just makes it quite valuable as a blocker in the mirror. Because I think it blocks and kills everything. Except for prowess creatures. Once they get prowess triggers. 
uh, ninth place, eighth place, sorry, uh, misplaced Ginger. Um, on Phoenix, I mean, wouldn't call it basic, still the Temporal Trespass, but this is one Trespass, two crews, sticking a little closer to, like, you know, what we were used to seeing out of these decks. Still the Jason sideboard, because, you know, what if you deck? Hey, what if you go against the one rogues player? True. Eh? Bring it in. Uh, ninth place, we see Gruul. You have a little bit more to say about this. You you saw someone play against this on stream, right? Uh, yes. Um, so I saw the other one more, uh, but I've seen I've seen this one too. We'll talk about the other one in the next day's challenge. But it's Gruul. It's still. It's it's kind of funny because so this is one this one's a bit different than what we'll see in the next day's challenge that got second place. This is the classic rule deck we've seen for the last few months, where we're just like, this is what pops up every time for for no fucking reason. It's a new format. Gruel Gruel's here, and this one or this time around, it just won't fucking go away. Yeah, like we're cur- we're currently in the grace period again, right? New sets out. Yeah. Gruel, you've got two weeks. You're welcome again for two weeks. Afterwards, we're gonna ask you to leave. But l- last time it didn't, so at least it's not an Embercleave deck anymore. Yeah, it's wanted to play some more creatures. It's got three scavenging ears in the main. It's got two werewolf pack leaders. Uh, get to quote this: "Your two questing beasts, four glory bringer." Look, I'm sorry, I don't give a fuck. No matter, no matter what, it warms my heart to see glory bringer as a four of in a deck again. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. I love glory bringer. It's so good. Um, and then four Mizian mortars, four shadow skull smashing. It's like, yay, these are the best removal spells that we fucking have. Uh, we see in the sideboard. We see three cage, four cinder vines, two fry, three anger of the gods, three shifting ceratops. I hate that card. A very gruel sideboard. It's literally just like, hey, what cards can we bring in against a lot of things? Let's just do it. You have your anger for for your more aggro kind of decks because your most of your cards are going to survive the anger. Unleash your big boys. Um, fry for spirits, cinder vines for lotus. I would imagine probably phoenix too. Oh, and uh, uh, yeah, enigmatic fires. That's true. Um, cage for literally whatever you want. It can be for the Phoenix matchup. It can be for... Um, fires? Does it work for fires? This is just creatures. Oh, creatures works with uh, Enigmatic, obviously, that searches up creatures. So it works mm. for that, too. You could technically bring against... <clears throat> I mean, uh... I think we talked about this before. Um, bringing against, like, a deck like Spirits, or, like, a Coco deck in general, it's... I mean, if you have the cuts for it, but I'd rather just do your two fry, three anger of the gods, and three shifting ceratops. It's, it's a day. thing we've seen happen in modern back in the day when Collect's Company was more played in modern. People mm-hmm. generally brought in Graph Digger's Cage, but I think it was always somewhat reluctantly. Like, I think if you're yeah. playing against a Coco deck, you're definitely not bringing in the three. Right? No. You might bring in one or two. Again, if, if you've got the cuts, I can imagine, for example, like, Maybe a card like... Yeah, I think you cut Chandra, right? Yeah, maybe a card like Chandra. Maybe you're like, you're Chandra on the draw, off. you can cut a land. Something like that. And you want to bring in the uh, the, graph, the old Graph Digger's Cage. I think maybe Glorbringer's too slow, but <laughs> Dodge's Queller, which is really nice. 
That must we feel bad. It puts you in a situation where you play Glorybringer and you don't attack. Like, Glorybringer feels like a card you should just put on the battlefield tapped. Like, cast swing. Yeah. <laughs> cast swing, you. <clears throat> I mean, sniping a lord, though, is nice. True. And what type of four toughness lord would you be able to snipe, Brad, to go to our next list? Oh no. Boom, transition. What a, what a segue. Uh it's Edgar, Charm Groom. It's a uh it's a basically mono black vampires very lightly splashing white. Nowhere near as hard as they used to splash it when they it's funny, when they played Viscopa out of the side, right? Um, or in the main, like they are here. Well, I got it backwards. They're playing Viscopa in the sideboard, I apologize. But when they played Viscopa in the main, they went God of Shrine. Your bright climb pathway, your pain land, your courtyards, they went all in on being like, I want to cast this card. But now they're, they're like, hey, we're going to try this Edgar card. It's running two Voldaren Estate, which is basically the mana confluence for vampires that could also make blood tokens, and four bright climb pathway. Everything else is the normal mono black stuff seven swamp, four mutavolts, three hive of the eye tyrants, three castles, one uh, Urborg. Because they're like, we and want like, Adgar, cool. but we don't want him. No one in that bad. Hey, oh yeah, we'll take that. This this person this person clearly listens to the cast though, because look at that look at that one of planeswalker just chilling. <laughs> one off Soren the Mirthless. Yeah, can't believe it. I've I've actually heard some good things about the card, like people generally being pretty happy with him as like a one off or a two off. I've seen someone put him in a Demir control list. Uh, yeah. I've seen more people talk about him vampires. You played in historic vampires. And you seem very happy about it. Can I just say, though, just to go a little bit back to the previous deck, it it kind of brings back, like, happy memories to see a card like Edgar. And when you evaluate it, something in the back of your head says, Dice to Glorybringer, though. <laughs> like, like that, that was the norm nice. then. To think of a card, like, it's a good card, but a Dice to Glorybringer, and it's a little expensive. And you're like, oh... Good days. But he comes back is the thing. Ooh. Comes back as a, also, as a box. Okay, here's the one thing we didn't discuss about our evaluation of Edgar. You can get away with playing more copies of him because he le when he legend rules himself, he becomes a, the, the coffin. So they play two. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, if, I'm saying like if you really wanted to, you <laughs> yeah, could, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. play four. You could play more Edgar because it's less Edgars, of an issue. Yeah, you go Edgar. Okay, legend rule. I got a, I got Edgar, and I got. I'll be honest. Paying four mana for it. Edgar Markov's coffin is really bad, though. <laughs> okay. Imagine if you yeah, had a, right. if you had a three. Well, I mean, I guess a three mana artifact that just says at the beginning of your upkeep, make a vampire. Isn't like the worst thing ever. That sounds like a control win, Con. That sounds horrible. What do you mean? You make that one mana cheaper and it dominated a standard format. It's Bitter Blossom. And this one doesn't even lose your life. Oh. True. And these have lifelink. <clears throat> Not saying this is Bitter Blossom. So people don't take this <laughs> don't take okay, the wrong well, message I, I'm, from this. I'm taking it but like <clears throat> I'm taking it literally though, because it, it I'm I'm putting the three turn cap on it because he's Jesus. He's come back, he comes back after three days. <laughs> But like, and then at the time, if you, if you, 
if they kill your Edgar, and then that would turn into an Edgar Marcos coffin, then that one would have to be Legend Ruled of the Battlefield, but at least that means that after a couple turns you get another Edgar, so like, it's kind of cute. It feels weird when Phoenix and Winoda are doing this arms race about like, maybe we should become faster and less grindy, and Vampires is like, <laughs> four drops. We're more grinder now. <laughs> we want Soren. We'll take some Edgar. Put some value in our mana base. <laughs> when we get to late this... game, meanwhile Phoenix is just gotta go fast. <laughs> this this sideboard is a mess. Holy shit! I hadn't seen that yet. One deafening silence. Two fatal push. Two Gravedigger cage. One Legion's end. One noxious grasp. Two go blank. One necromancia. Two crippling fear. One Liliana Waker of the dead. One Soren the Mirthless. And one Blood Baron of Viscopa. Holy fuck! It feels like I'm playing a Karn deck. <laughs> this person just thought of all these potential good cards for the sideboard and was just like, just one of each. We'll yeah. see it as we go. You know, next next week they'll they'll cut the ones they never want to bring in. Put in another one. The the noxious grasp. One you haven't seen in a while. Remember when this was like an automatic four of in your sideboard? Yep. Good times. Shitting on was green it a decks. Good time. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Did didn't the green decks have access to like once upon a time though when this was a thing? Oh, I mean no. Back back then, then it was bad. Like after Oko was gone, a lot of people were just playing green decks. You would just put four noxious brass in your sideboard because people were like throwing shifting ceratopses and stuff at your way. Felt pretty good. I feel like I feel like you have to have like a little giggling moment when you're playing your Grixis deck and then someone brings in shifting ceratops against you and you're like, there's an entire color that's pretty much eighty percent of my deck that just does not give I a still hate fuck the card you. because I oh it's a curse. Whenever someone plays a shifting ceratops, my hand is full of counter magic. And then my first draw is another counter spell. And I'm like, I don't even run that many. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes it can feel really good when they sort of have that, you know, as if they bring in like their ace in the hole, they go shifting ceratops, and like, oh yeah, it resolves, of course, and they're like, haste it, attack you, and I'm like, heartless act it. They're like, no, my plan, my sideboard plan was just this. <laughs> <laughs> Made it even oh, worse. The wrong half of your deck. I think the one time I tried Drown in the Lock, I played against shifting ceratops, and it's like, this just perfectly... Signals everything I hate about this card. God, I hate protection. Can't have, can't have a little blue. Not allowed. Can't even block it. I hate protection so much. I, I think like hexproof from makes so much more sense. I hate that you can't block it. Like, okay, apparently you want me to play to the board. I'm playing to the board. Damn it! I should be able to block your creature. No, no. <laughs> I do. I don't know. I kind of like protection when it's given in small doses, like shifting ceratops and stuff, where it's not like an evergreen thing or like everywhere. Um, I don't know. It, it it makes for really funny and interesting plays because it's just I, I like having like things like God's willing, and it's like fuck, I'm on the defensive. Ha, you thought, and then I just swing in. Yeah, unblockable. Like the idea to make it unblockable <laughs> is kind of it, it can be kind of interesting. I like protection more on like God's willing. 
as like this one shot or else you'd have life's bounty mm-hmm. as a blanket thing i prefer hexproof from obviously i'm biased but also just because i think it makes for like more fun games because a lot of things that is right making creatures better uh, hexproof these sort of things these mechanics are designed to play to the board more so i feel that like once i'm playing your game and it's like all right all right we'll we'll play to the board more i think i that that sh- if you want to encourage that gameplay i don't think protection is the way to do it where i thought Man, hexproof only... from was so elegant when we got it in dominaria and i think like, yeah this this feels right yeah i do I do wish a Danto Vanguard had uh, protection from Absolutely black. Absolutely not. No <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I'm just going to jam four of those in my vampire deck. I'm going to jam four of those in my Grixis deck, hello? <laughs> that card would be absolutely stupid if it had pro-black and it could make itself indestructible. Your your shadows, uh, shadowsburg would still work. Also, so would uh, the your your favorite removal spell would still work against it. True, true. Because you get to sacrifice it before it gets exiled, so it's fine. It's fine. fine. Don't worry about it. I just give me a reason to be in white for vampires besides fucking Edgar. Deafening silence is an incredible sideboard card against Phoenix. It's absolutely like game-breakingly powerful. If you and they run one, yeah, I don't get that. Anyone out there, if you're playing like white weenie or some dirtily white deck, for the love of God, put deafening silence in your sideboard if you're struggling against Phoenix. I tried. I played in a banned humans deck, potentially dirtily as fuck. Not a good clock. Games against Phoenix felt very winnable the moment I had that card in play. And it's also a card that against Phoenix, whose answer tends to be one or two bounce spells, you're perfectly happy to draw your second or your third. They're like, yeah, now I really know that we're going to be under this effect all game. Because they just aren't that many answers in Phoenix. They can't afford to run four bounce spells followed by four counter spells when you try and cast it again. Not if you're playing a creature deck. It doesn't work that way. Watch out, Phoenix becomes teamer. And they start running uh, back to nature in the sideboard. Oh no! <laughs> People had a had a slight oh. shot at Jeskai with um, faithless ma- uh, faithful mending. Yeah, and that allowed you to run wear tear in your sideboard, but that that didn't really go anywhere. Hey Alex, if if we do the teamer plan, and this was a year ago, you could play Phoenix with Uro. Oh no. <laughs> They they wouldn't even run any Delve spells. It would just be Uro. <laughs> yeah, four Uro, four Phoenix, four Thing in the Ice. <laughs> oh, no. I think at that point you might All actually the cut the thing. Is four Uro, four Phoenix? Yeah. Losing to sideboard hate, the deck. You draw the main deck, rest in peace. It's like, what are you going to do now? <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to cry. So, Psych, I also run four Crackling Drake. Get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> so this is, uh, moving on to the next deck. This is, <laughs> I hadn't seen this one. Brad, what is this What is this teamer deck? I love it already. Oh. Oh. Yes. 
Yes. Oh yes, is, I agree. This is Teamer Epiphany taking a taking a page out of standards book, running four hours epiphany, four unexpected windfall, which is the best spell for this fucking deck. As additional cost of this spell, discard a card for two and two red. Draw two cards and create two treasure tokens. It's an instant. It's a better version of the goblin thingy from Ixalan. Pirates Village. Yeah, has a goblin on it. That's all I remember. Um, three Flame Bust Bolt, uh, blah, blah, blah. Three Chandra, two Nyssa, four Seven Character. It's literally just like... Basically, the gist of this hey. deck is that it runs five Planeswalkers that make it so when you play them and you untap, you can take an extra turn. If it, you have the mana to take it, if turn four Chandra means turn five, tick her up, cast an Elrond's Epiphany. And that gives you an extra turn. In that extra turn, you might be able, maybe if you like um, foretold one early game, in that extra turn, you can go Galvanic Iteration, Elrond's Epiphany. And then you could take two extra turns. Or Chandra allows you to chain this together. Really, uh, Nissa allows you to chain this together even easier. And then obviously, if you give Chandra or Nissa a few turns, they're going to ultimate and the game is basically over. Yeah. Sweet. Very sweet. Really see that like galvanic iteration extra turn spell, like one two punch that people try in standard. Seeing people have a swing of that in Pioneer, I actually think it's pretty sweet. I know it's a play style that a lot of people dislike. Um, turns. I know there's a lot of people calling for, like, should we just not have this in standard again? So maybe a little unfortunate if this makes the jump to Pioneer and the people are like, hey, come and play Pioneer. And it's like, what do people do here? Well, they cast Elrond's Epiphany and they clone it. <laughs> like, oh no, I just went away from this. But hey, we have vampires. We have Phoenix. We have Winota. You missed Winota, right? Eh? Eh? I mean, to be honest, I don't think even if you came from Standard and you didn't like the extra turn, I don't really think you can look at this look at this deck and be like, and not like it. I mean, first of all, it's got, you know, Chandra and Nyssa, so they just teamed up together, you know, like they should have, and went ahead and made their own deck. It's like, we'll make our own deck with Blackjack yeah. and Redacted. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll put it this way. Alex, I played through, and you played through the standard as well. Two years, nearly, of Wilderness Reclamation and standard. What did I do? I played in a Pioneer. I didn't give a fuck. You think, you think I was salty and upset about that card in standard? Oh, you bet. But do you think I absolutely loved the deck when I played in Pioneer? Oh, Oh, it's so much fun. Bring it back. I hated it, it both ways, me. but... Oh. It was so much fun. You're just like, I have two Reclamations out. I have eight lands. Trigger on the stack. Boom. Tap. Untap. Tap. Untap. Tap. Untap. Oh my god, that's actually 20 exactly to your face. But I'll draw the 20. I, I, my favorite flex on that is when you make them draw the 20 cards, too. Yeah. Like, look at all the cards you just got. Isn't that great? <laughs> Aren't you happy? <laughs> I mean, you're dead. But like, look at all the cards you just drew. It's fucking cool. Yeah, look at them. See what you see what you would have drawn, you know? Yeah, yeah, look, look at that. Tell you, me how that would have been lethal if you got away. to untap. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, I yeah, this this that's what this deck just kind of like it's nice to see like a teamer deck do things. Now I mean very linear, right? There's not a whole lot of like play to the deck. No, even even post board, like you know, you play for example, you play Malevolent Hermit, which you really just play to protect your plan. Not going for any plan yeah. B. There, there's two Elder Gargaroth, which, you know, kind of, kind of helps to get your plan B, get a semblance of a plan B. But putting in two Elder Gargaroths doesn't mean you're now a creature beatdown deck. Not even how many. There's not even. There's one whole Storm Giants. It's the only man land in the deck. No Den of the Bugbear. No Lair of the Hydra or anything. That surprised me a little bit. Especially to find that like early half storm giants when there's not ah, uh, there's growth spiral. But like not that many blue cards to cast early. Where you think, hey, if I go down up the bugbear, that allows me to play any of those removal spells on turn one. And it's a little bit easier to get going in these extra turns while also potentially like casting a turn spell with a Nissa out. I'm almost I'm almost tempted to see them just splash a little bit of white just to play Omnath. I think at that point, you need a lot of rework to your mana base because then you're also would probably be running in, uh, interested in running uh, Fabled Passage, which means your, early, your mana on turn one, two, and three is worse when you probably want to do things like Growth Spiral to accelerate into your Chandra and that sort of thing, which you can throw a like wrench into your own plan. If you go into Why don't this... you just make the mana base the same as four color reclamation made it? I never had a problem with my early gross spirals and stuff. You're trying to get a turn three reclamation now all the time. Fair enough. Maybe it could make it work. That was four color. I was running fucking three fairy and shit. There is there is the big question of like, do you need it? I want it. You want it, but do you that. need it? I, I love him. He's so nice. Look at that big boy. Cheeto finger, angry Cheeto I, finger on math. Okay, you know what I want? I want three fairy as a creature. Nope. Why not? I would. By the way, they 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 basically have that in Malevolent Hermit, but I would I would like okay, my yeah, magic games to actually involve playing magic and not Hearthstone, and I don't really care if it's a creature or a planeswalker that does it. Give me back Kethis. Let me play the bad deck. I I, right, I don't else? even know if it would have been spicy. that much of a problem if we had Kethis. Basically, you never got to see the light of day, right? So, fourteenth uh, place is very spicy. It is Naya Enchantress with Showdown of the Scald, Starfield of Nyx, Fires of Invention, and once again, if people are coming over from Arena to Pioneer, definitely a deck that they are happy to see. Nine Life Solemnity. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You love that lock. Don't you love it, Brad? Doesn't everyone? Spirit of the Labyrinth. Can't draw more than one card each turn. Pretty good card. Two mana, three one. Hmm. Also an enchantment. Yeah, so this is, this is a pretty simple deck. In a way, it tries to, you know, resolve a Solemnity in a Nine Lives. Nine lives for the people that don't know. 
is a 3-mana enchantment with Hexproof. If a source would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an Incarnation counter on 9 lives. When there are 9 or more Incarnation counters on 9 lives, exile it. When it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. Now, Solemnity says that uh, creatures, oh, sorry, counters can be put on players, artifacts, uh, creatures, enchantments, or lands. So your nine lives prevents the damage, but you don't actually put the counters on it. And if it never gets counters, that means you never have to exile it. So you never lose. And it basically locks your opponent out of the game, except they can deck you because it's only through damage. But honestly, if you look at some of the top decks, Phoenix, Winoda, Burn, they do win through damage. And they also have a pretty hard time dealing with enchantments, especially once you get multiple copies of them. Like if you have, um, you know, two Solemnity out, two Nine Lives out, it becomes very hard for your opponent to ever be able to break out of this lock in any of these decks. The only gripe that I have against it is that Starfield of Nyx means your opponent can sweep them up. Which feels a little risky. Might actually mean yeah. if you're playing Phoenix or a deck with Anger of the Gods in the sideboard and you go against Naya Enchantress, might actually be worth it to bring in Anger in case they make that mistake. And they have the Starfield out and now their nine lives is a 3-3 creature and you can sweep it up and your opponent loses the game immediately. <clears throat> That reminds me of, do you remember, uh, Brad, from Dominaria Standard, that people tried to make Lich's Mastery work? And there mm -hmm. was this, like, four-mana Lich's Mastery, which was an enchantment, gave you a lot of value, other cards, whatever. It had some condition on it, but it also said, if it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. But the most popular sweeper at the time was Cleansing Nova, which was a modal card, and one option said, destroy all enchantments and artifacts. Yeah. So this this mirror against this matchup against control could be hilarious. Where they just go right, Lich's mastery, and they're like, five mana, you lose the game. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure, game's over, pack it up, boys. That's <laughs> where you gotta dodge the matchup. I mean, I think it was pretty good against most other decks. It just basically couldn't beat control. So yeah, just dodged the matchup. Now this deck also runs two Archon of uh, Sun's Grace, so it has a win condition. It's not just Trying to kill your opponent with boredom. Um, it's got Moonbless Cleric to tutor up all these different enchantments. Uh, also, no man lands in here. So it's not that the deck has an easy time winning the game. But it, it can. But obviously, Starfield of Nyx. At one point, you couldn't just say, oh, I have a whole bunch of enchantments on the field. Okay, cool. Starfield swing, you're dead. And that's probably the pattern they are looking to do. If they're trying to avoid something like an Anger of the Gods, they don't have to turn their lands into creatures until they're swinging for game. Mm -hmm. Because you end up with this deck has 26 enchantments in the main, and it could potentially board into more enchantments. So it's pretty reasonable to get to a board state with like 8 or 9 enchantments, and then you slam Starfield as the 10th, and then boom. Worth also uh, pointing out, for those of you who actually play on Moto, this is only 33 ticks on Moto. Oh, wow. 
that's spicy. Even though it's a 61 rare deck. Just because it runs so many rares that no one else plays. Yeah. But in paper, it's $282. Ouch. But that's in your Sacred Foundry, your Stomping Ground, your Temple Gardens. <clears throat> oh, yeah. The mana base is over half of that. Fatal Passage is 20 bucks for a playset. I know they won't do yeah. it, but can we please just print Shocklands absolutely into the fucking ground? Like, imagine how accessible Pioneer was if Shocklands were a buck each. Every deck's price would half or more than half. Yeah. And that would make it even more... You would, like, uh, drown in $100 budget decks. Because that'd be, like, half yeah. of them. I mean, the thing that's pricing people out of modern right now is the fact that there's... Even with the fetch lands being reprinted, they're still, like, not cheap. Like... I don't care what you say. Like people are like, "Oh yeah, it's only you know twenty five, you know twenty five dollars for this fetch land." Okay, I get it. it. Used to be seventy. I I get it. It's it's that's amazing for the format. But when all your other cards in Modern Horizons one and two that you need are also really fucking expensive, like you need a place at a Ragavan, uh, it's easy to get priced out. Well, it's it's and it's then that, there's shocks on top of that. It's also a matter of like, you know. When people compare things, they always have a people always seem to struggle with relative and absolute. So yes, in in relative numbers, going from seventy down to twenty-five is great. In absolutes, it's still twenty-five for a card. And in absolute, your top decks are eight hundred and eighty-four dollars, twelve hundred dollars, seventeen hundred dollars, seventeen hundred dollars, eleven hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, sixteen hundred, seven hundred, etc. But yeah, so this is well, you know, this is obviously not meant to uh, dump on modern in any way, shape, or form, but more like, man, if mana bases were more available, God, so many you, people would be playing this game so much more. More people would be playing this game, and the people who are playing it would be playing it more. But I think, as we've clearly seen, it's not the way to do it. Man, it makes me make a slight detour. This weekend, I watched uh, Arcade. Which is uh -huh. the, the show based around... Arcane? Ar is it Arcane or is Arcade? Arcane, I think. Uh, I th anyway, it's the show set in uh, in the League of Legends universe. And, Arcane. No, and it really remind, like, reminded me of like the stark difference between how Wizards markets and how Riot Games markets. Now, there are things to be said about Riot Games, for sure. But their marketing and their games tend to be give people a lot of stuff for free, right? A lot of their games are free-to-play. Um, they're not always the most free-to-play friendly in the same sense of, like, League of Legends is free-to-play, but if you want to unlock every champion in a reasonable time frame, it would actually cost you a lot of money. Uh, but in essence, the game is free-to-play and more reasonably free-to-play than Arena is free-to-play. And how do they make sure their game grows? They don't cut corners everywhere, they throw a fuckload of money at it. And they're like, you know, here, for example, we're going to get a, here's Arcade, Arcane, here's a TV show. And we throw so much money at it that it basically has to be good because we're just going to get the best people to put on the best show. And you look at coverage for their world championship and, you know, huge broadcasting team and, 
high quality. And not saying nothing ever goes wrong, but for example, League of Legends had a way to spectate in the game basically from day one. And that was 14 years ago. Yeah. Like, and it just makes me sad. Where it's like, man, if Wizards it, like handled the marketing and the production and stuff of Magic, like how Riot would do it with League, fuck, man. Again, people would be playing a lot more Magic. Um. Well, maybe the uh, animated series will be. I hope good. so. Right. I hope it's um, now. I I I think a lot of people think Arcane is like the best thing ever, and it's like I thought it was decent. I thought it was entertaining and I haven't watched the last three yet because I probably watched that this weekend with friends and I will watch it and I'll probably enjoy it, but it was fine, but it, it was good, but not, I'm not blown away. It just really felt like the next Netflix thing that people are going to say is the best show ever until in four weeks, something else shows up. And now that is the best series ever. Basically see everything that trended on Twitter in the past five years. You know, you could you could watch a new show like Arcane and you could enjoy the new shows, right? Or you could do what I do and watch Mad Men for the ninth time. <laughs> I, and it's not an exaggeration. I am literally re-watching it for the ninth time right now. I don't watch a lot of telly. I don't watch a lot of series. I don't watch movies. I don't know. I bought a Switch Plenty. the other day. I play video games and I play card games. See... My Xbox has been broken for like three months now, and I haven't played a video game since then, except for Magic Arena, I guess. But I don't count that as wow. since it's, for for lack of a better word, it's kind of funny because like, it, it's it's a hobby, but at the same time, it's kind of our job to be enfranchised in this card game. So when I play Magic Arena, I don't always feel like I'm playing it just for like fun as a video game i feel like i'm playing it just because like i i would the reason i've been playing it a lot lately is because i was testing jun food in historic and i was testing jun food on moto in uh pioneer and in paper in pioneer and i was like trying to figure out the fuck's wrong with jun food and pioneer <laughs> no i i do yeah, i do get that i have that a little bit sometimes where i feel like man i should really get a game in just so like and i've got something to talk about yeah i'm like ah, i don't know if i or, Exposure. It, 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 it is like important for us to say somewhat enfranchised, but at the same time, I am still having a good time doing it, so I don't mind at all. Um, nope, canceling the show. I hate magic now. Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> Everybody hates magic, but we also love magic. That's the best part about being. The best part of being, I was telling this. So I was, I was telling you off cast, I was talking to um, our, our friend that spectates us sometimes, and uh, I was telling her how magic players are the most whiny self-centered fucking people of like but but to be fair that's all fandoms and i was about to say gaming. because that is runescape players but magic players yeah, are a all close fandoms, second all fandoms in competitive gaming league smite rainbow six siege magic pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, but it's actually we, pokemon too casual casuals yeah, hate have... serious people and serious people hate casual players and serious players hate serious yeah. players and casual players hate casual yeah. players Yep, it's and that literally goes for both the actual video games and the TCG. <laughs> um, 
Though I will say the Pokemon TCG community is probably the most welcoming TCG community I've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. Every time I go to a Pokemon event, everyone's just so happy to be there and no one's just like <laughs> getting mad. Like when someone pulls something really cool in their pre-release or whatever, a new set comes out, everyone's just going, that's fucking sweet, dude. Let's go. But if you go to the same thing for a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament, you have five people swarming your table going like, hey, you're going to trade that? You're going to sell that? I, I actually need that. It's like, dude, can you fucking, <laughs> we haven't started round one. Please stop. Or in Magic, you're like, oh yeah, of course, fucking lucky, pulled the good bomb for limited. Exactly. <laughs> so like, everyone's salty. But yeah, in franchise players and franchise people within a community are the most whiny, fucking <laughs> self-centered fucks all the time. You look at the, the outcry for bans in Magic all the fucking time. Remember, remember when, um, when Pioneer first started and you had a bunch of people playing Pioneer that never played Modern, for example, this was their first kind of gateway into an older format. And there's that little bit of outcry for a little bit by a lot of new players, like about like Thoughtsies. The classic. Like, when a new when a new player discovers Thoughtsies, they're so upset. Tell tell me like, tell me you've never seen Thoughtsies without telling me you've never seen Thoughtsies, right? People play one yeah, game against this, they're like, How is this legal? <laughs> Hey, you know what? I was the exact same. But I've told this before. My first two games of Modern, both of them were against Smallpox, and I had a very bad time. <laughs> 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 it's like, if I hadn't played a third game of Modern, I might have not been playing Magic, because my first two games were against Smallpox. I'm like, this shit is fucking awful. <laughs> I don't get to play the game. I don't have cards in my hand. I don't have lands. And I'm being beaten down by a 2 1. <laughs> what is this? Yeah, like be- people look at cards that, like, if, if they don't. And again, fun is subjective. So, like, if people get upset about you taking away their way of having fun, where, sorry, turn one thought seize from my perspective is a lot of fun. Yeah, like turn one. Th- Turn one Urborg Thoughtseize into turn to- turn two Flagstones of Trokar, Smallpox you is the best thing. But if you're on the receiving end, you're like, this This is the worst experience I've ever had playing this game. Like, this is yeah. This is hell. <laughs> or or in pioneer terms, if I'm playing Rakdos Pyromancer and I go Thoughtseize, Arcanist, Thoughtseize you again. Attack Thoughtseize you, you again. again. Yeah. <laughs> No, you like, lead that off with a pyromancer then. Pyromancer thought sees you make an elemental, attack thought sees you make an elemental. Some, and like, sometimes I'm greedy because I'm like, do I want the extra value of pyromancer or do I want to just make sure I thought sees your hand to absolute hell? <laughs> and I usually choose the latter, especially if I have Croxa in hand and I'm like, oh, ooh, my favorite is going Croxa on, on turn three and I have village rights in hand. And I sack Crocs at a village rights. So I'm just like, the value. Oh, the value. It's so good. You discard a card and I draw two? Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, I love that deck so fucking much. Some people get upset. Sometimes. Um, anyway, we're halfway through the first challenge, but we will go a little bit faster. 16th place, we see uh, Black White Humans. Similar to the list we've seen before, obviously, biggest benefactor of Thalia. Being run as a full four off in this set, which definitely surprises me. I I wouldn't have expected this card to be a four off in this deck, because it is legendary after all. But I guess it's just that important to the deck. The thing I would like to see in this deck, and this is um, 
when Midnight Hunt came out, this was a card that um, Tyrant played in Wars of Humans. Uh, Tyrant of Tales, also a content creator. Check him out on YouTube, Twitter, the lot. Um, and he played Can't Stay Away in his list, which is uh, the Orzov card that brings back a 3-drop or lower and also has a flashback cost of 3. Because that is a way to recur your Thalia, but also a way to recur your Lurus, which is actually really sweet value, especially together with Dauntless Bodyguard. Lurus Dauntless Bodyguard is really sweet because it's like, play Lurus and immediately have a way to protect it if your opponent's like tapped out or something. And can stay awake and then if it, they break through that, bring back Lurus for two mana. That brings back the Dauntless Bodyguard, protect the Lurus again. And that is just a really sweet play to keep that value train going. Um, aside from that, it's pretty cool. Uh, I like the Kitesil Freebooter, but not the Silver Girl Silencer because that card is shit. But Kitesil Freebooter is actually pretty cool. That's what I took away when uh. I played it with those two cards. It's like, Kitesil is just way better. Like, why do why do we play Silver Girl Silencer? Just take that one out. And What was my overrated card again for Strixhaven? Was it Silver Girl Silencer? Over- it was Silver Cool Silencer. I don't know if it was Ooh. mine. I'm not sure anymore. I do know that I... I thought it was I, on your list. No, that was it was on Adrian's list, I believe. I don't think it was on mine. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but, um... Also running four Dire worried. Tactics. Pretty sweet access. It's obviously uh, nice against... Um, this way, you'd initially maybe see, like, Fatal Push, because it is the cheapest, but this lines up quite well against Winoda... Uh, even if you don't have a human for some reason, you would much rather lose for life than get stomped for 20 by a bunch of werewolves. That is uh, very true. Nice against Phoenix. <clears throat> um, is it equal to its power? Toughness. So you only take two when you get rid of a Phoenix. Which is pretty nice. Uh, four Rally the Ranks. It does run the four Mutavolt, which... Oh, man. But it is a little less one-drop heavy than this list used to be. It's got 14 one-drops before you might be looking at 16, maybe even 20 one-drops at a comparable list. Uh, but the Kitesil Freebooter and the Luminarch Aspirin, the deck goes a slight bit taller, and that might open you up to be able to afford that slight amount of colorless in your mana base. And that allows you to run the Mutavolt, which overall is a much better card than Cave of the Frost Dragon or Hive of the Eye Tyrant in the context of this deck. It is a pretty low land count. You often have like one or two play mana to uh, one or two mana play to make, and then adding that Mutavolt activation on top of it is actually pretty sweet. So going a little bit taller, even though it slows you down, it does allow you to run the better man land. So that might actually even things out and might end up with a slightly stronger list. Do you still hate Luminarch Aspirant? I, I do dislike Luminarch Aspirant. But, you know, there's, there's something to be said for it in this list. You know, growing Thalia out of range of some abilities might be nice. Growing free Skytsil Freebooter out of removal range. Again, out of range for... Flame Blast Bolt or Fiery Impulse in one or two turns or Anger of the Gods can be nice. So there is more to it. And again, if we're thinking, you know, I'm going to cut... Here's the thinking why I kind of like it in this deck. 
I would say for this, I would say cut it and add in a one drop. But if you add in a one drop, you run into the problem that you probably can't run Mutafault because you're going to stumble too often. So now you're comparing it. Do I want Luminarch, Aspirant, and Mutavolt in my list? Or a one drop and cave of the Frost Dragon? And that suddenly makes the Luminarch Aspirant look a little more appealing. Because it opens you up to playing that better manland. So I hate it a little less. I definitely like it much more than Silver Quill Silencer. Way bigger fan of this. Like run this all day over that piece Let's of shit. Let's bring back Avzan Scales and see how it does in Pioneer. Bring in Avicen's Pilgrim. And then let's play let's play human scales. Good. Um then also, did you know okay, I've never I've never clicked on this before. Okay. Ah. How do you usually view the challenges? I go to Pioneer Metagame and then I look on the right. Or you mean once you open them? Once you open them, how are you looking at all the lists at once? Um and click on expand decks yeah i've never done expand decks before you this do slideshow i always do slideshow and you notice that expand deck is much better isn't it brad it is much better yeah you're right <laughs> i can actually see all the cards this is amazing holy shit look at that four and two 18th place it's the classic mono green ramp Ooh, I'm a big fan. With Worldbreaker, Golos, Ulamog, Emrakul, Nakarn, Fort Ugans. Oh. Hour of Promise Promise. into Shrine of the Forsaken God. Hour of Promise into double Shrine of the Forsaken Gods, Brad. You know, turn, turn one Grazer. Turn two, Elvish Rejuvenator. Uh, turn three, Hour of Promise. Turn four, Ulamog. The Dream. How good is that? You got Chum Blockers, and I've got a 10 10. Well, you got to have seven more lands, right? For Shrine. Oh, Shrine only works with seven or more lands? Yeah. Oh, you'd have six lands at that point. No, wouldn't you? I think you've got... I think you've got seven. Grazer on one gets you two. Elvish Rejuvenator gets you four. Then on turn three, you play your fifth. You cast Hour of Promise. Six, seven. Go to your next turn. You need yeah. to play your eighth. Yeah, you're right. You've got your Ulamog. Yeah. Or Emrakul. Take control of them. True. Aha. Then you do need some Delirium stuff, though. Which, I don't know how you're going to be able to get that. Um, just through them killing your shit, I guess. I don't fucking know. I'll gladly chump block with my one-one rejuvenator that I don't need anymore. <laughs> but this is, and it runs a car. It's a car with a card package. Good way to deal with your uh, your cyber. I mean, I don't. I never think this deck's very good because it just has the classic ramp problem of sometimes you draw only ramp, no payoff. Sometimes you draw only payoff, no ramp. But I do think it's really sweet. They went four and two. That's respectable. Yeah, but overall, I'm not saying the deck can never perform. I don't think it's a, it's a terrible deck or something. But it's just like, yeah, it it can be a very a little inconsistent in that way. Oh my god, Perilous Vault in the side for your Karn target. 
That's sweet. I also like the three Haship Oasis, that once you draw one, you can Hour of Promise for the other two, and then you get the zombies. To get some chum blockers out of the deal. Oh, that's right. Gives you your three deserts. Bring back, um, what was it? The, the zombie land. Field of the Dead, no. Yeah, let's do it. Let's not. Uh, I'd okay, actually, I'm, I'm curious. How do you feel a Field of the Dead deck would fare right now in Pioneer? Hmm. It's very hard to say. Because it would definitely have a lot of innovations to look at. Mm-hmm. From the past... Um, from the past year and a half or whatever since it's been banned. They would probably find a way to make it busted. They will be played in some sort of element with deck with like a stacks element, and it would just slow the game down to a crawl and then win with Field of the Dead. I would definitely run it as a control win con. I'd find it pretty sweet. But that's how I run it in modern for a long time when I still play that format. I played Grixis Control with Field of the Dead as a win condition. You know yeah. my opponent was having a good time. Right? I was oh, just... They were having the best time. Snapcaster, Cryptic Command, just tapping your board down, bouncing my Snapcaster Mage, doing it again on the next turn. Eventually, I cast a Damnation, then I play a land, and then I start making zombies, and then the game is all downhill from there. Like, it was... It was the best. I love that deck. Shout out to Aspiring Spike for coming up with the initial list. And then shout out to Sam Black for how I stole the way he built his deck so you could put field. I basically took two genius magic players and really good deck builders, and I just smashed their deck together into something that was probably worse than both, but definitely really sweet. And every time people ask, like, why do you do that? And it's like, Spike's idea. Why do you do that weird thing? It's like, Sam Black, dude, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> It works. It works. I'm winning, aren't I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, More Phoenix. I quickly want to touch on 17th deck just to see that um, it is green-white company. Just the... We're definitely a... a, Actually, it's not green-white company. It's green-white humans. I didn't even notice. Um, Pretty different build. Basically, mono white, splashing green for cyborg and collect company. Yeah, so there's no, um, interesting enough, shield boy. There's no Hamlet Vanguard. There's no resistance squad. But it it's just basically the good one drops from the humans deck. So we see Donald's bodyguard, giant killer, Kithian as a three off feels a little risky, but okay if it works. Fourth Robin Inspector, Luminarch Aspirant, Thalia's Lieutenant, basically that aggro core. But then instead of going Lurus and going a little more low to the ground, having that like grindy element in it with Lurus, it just goes into Adeline, Brutal Cathar, Spellbinder, Collected Company, Kill You. It basically mm-hmm. takes the core of that deck, but instead of going lower to the ground, it wants this like super explosive start with like a turn four Collected Company. Because Adeline can fuck you up if this card comes down early. I've played with this card. It it will absolutely run you over if you don't deal with it immediately. 
It is just Goblin Rabble Master in white. And turns out mm. that is a good hit. And it also, the humans you make would grow your Thalia's Lieutenant uh, and all that good jazz. So yeah, sweet card. Um, actually kind of cool to see it this way. Um, I had a first draft of green-white humans and I definitely built it quite differently to this. Though that was also built in a way that I wanted to showcase more new cards. And, you know, this person is playing a challenge, they want to win. Do want to see Hamlet, though. Hamlet Vanguard is... I heard uh, good things from it from uh, Ruckman from Crew 3. He played uh, played some humans, and he said Hamlet Vanguard seemed very good. Yeah. Um, it's a house. Ninetieth plays more Phoenix, again, more Temple Trespasses than Cruises. 20th Vampires. I'm kind of trying to race through it at this point because we want to have more stuff to talk about. Excuse you. 20th is not Vampires. It's Mono Black Aggro. It's Mono Black Aggro. I thought it was Vampires. Oops. But Mono Black Aggro, similar to what we've seen, runs Graveyard Trespasser, which is basically all the news. Everything else is what you'd expect. 21st place, Winoda, this one with Ranger class. Uh, 22nd place, again, Cruise, uh, Cruise Temple Trespass, Phoenix. Um, 23rd place, playing Torrential, uh, Torrential Gearhawk, Demir Control. Um, worthy? No. No hill breach uh, breaker two drown in the lock, which surprising. But one cling to dust, which I think is actually kind of sweet again. You think of a meta with Phoenix. Uh, I could see one cling to dust being quite nice. Um, obviously, early game you're going to be cycling through the deck, setting up, and taking that galvanic iteration out of the graveyard can prevent these like really disgusting turns. Card that I think would be nice to see in these decks is um, Whirlwind Denial and or um, what's the other one? The four mana one that exiles the stack. Summary Dismissal. Um, yes. Because Whirlwind Denial, especially Whirlwind Denial because it is Convolute, which isn't a very good counterspell. Um, so I'm not saying it's that card, but I was initially thinking like Flusterstorm, but that's obviously not legal. But finding a way to when they do that, like, oh, put a bunch of turns on the stack to just be, no. I think that'd be pretty sweet. I think you just like any card that says no. I like cards that say no. But I want cards that say multiple no. If my opponent puts multiple things on the stack. Cards that say no to everything. Yeah, just no. And that, oh my. Brad. Yeah. This is pretty. It's only three and three, but this is a fucking. I don't care. List. This deck is nice. Right. You you it's, know a deck is spicy when it runs Beacon Bolt and Demon Bolt. In the list. Oh my god. This deck is a house. Brad, what is it? It's a Lutri Phoenix. And also with a Lutri in the deck, because that works. So it technically has a two-off, it's Lutri. Hooray. This is great. Um, so we obviously we, cannot we go over the list. To, yeah, we, we can't go over everything. It's just a lot of one-offs. It's basically, is it Phoenix with 
some extra value thrown in, like Torrential Gear Hulk, um, Glass Pool Mimic, uh, has your Crackling Drake, and then every spell you could possibly fit in the deck. But what, what has one Treasure Cruise, one Temporal, just has Dick Through Time. I love this. What I think Great. this displays like quite nicely is that with some of these cards, you're seeing that we have a lot of like X version of. Right, so we all, people always say like, oh, that is a, a better this or a different reflavoring of that. For example, if we think, you know, you want to play your, um, you know, you want to play a control deck and you're like, hey, I want to have an answer to turn one dork. This is a one-off deck. It's like, how do you do that, right? It's hard to do in black, for example. You know, if you want to play like Demir, Lutri, you're going to be looking at some questionable cards. You might be putting like dead weights and stuff in your deck. This just has Fiery Impulse, Flame Bless Bolt, Lightning spray if you re uh, lightning axe if you really have to. Magma spray, Shiv and fire, spike field hazard. That's just five one mana removal spells, and these are all respectable cards. Like none of these cards are bad. I actually don't think Shiv and fire is that bad of a card. I think it's pretty decent. Uh, Kicker is quite nice on it. So like Shiv and fire is questionable, but all the other ones are like perfectly fine cards that you could play in an Izzet deck. It doesn't really feel like you're giving up anything in this one mana slot because we're getting to that point where we have um x amount of versions of y effect to the point where you can actually run them as a bunch of one-offs and put Lutri in your deck i think this is a super yeah. sweet find there are some funny cards in this list but overall there aren't a lot of cards that i can point to where i'm really like yeah you're putting bad cards in your deck to compensate for Lutri. There's like a handful. Curate. Cathartic Reunion feels weird in this list. Um, you know, Beacon Bolt, Demon Bolt feels out of place. But overall, and Demon Bolt actually goes really well with Lutri. So it is maybe not the best card, but the fact that you only cast it for one, just people point out quickly, Demon Bolt, three mana, deal four damage to any target as an instant, but it has a foretell of one red. So, foretelling this on turn, I don't know, turn three, foretell this, magma spray your creature, next turn, you just go, is it even, no, it can't go face, actually, it's four damage to any creature or planeswalker, but then you can just go, Lutri, Demon Bolt, there you go. That's actually pretty sweet. That's a fun list. I'd like a, um, Temple Trespass is very nice with Lutri too, I'd like an Alrin's Epiphany in this list, I think. You have a Lutri to play, a Lutri as a companion, and a Galvanic iteration. I think you might want to lean into that one-two punch a little bit more. That's like the one thing I change about this list. Yeah, I can agree with that. I'm sure it won't be too hard to find a cut. <clears throat> Beacon Bolt or something. Curate. <laughs> Screw that card. <laughs> And then we got the next one is white black uh right of oblivion kind of enchantment deck running loth the spider queen which is very good in this deck because it makes a bunch of uh makes a couple of spiders which is nice to have um to be a thing you can sacrifice it's um um orzo of doom foretold without doom foretold basically yeah, which is which is basically ever since Ride of Oblivion came out for, with Midnight Hunt, uh, that's been the thing. You just cut Doom Foretold for this instead. Yeah, and then you and, can, and then you can be a little less permanent heavy, so you can just run some 
better removal. You don't have to run a bunch of trial of They do, but you don't have to run a bunch of trial of um, ambition. You can find some fatal pushes to put in your deck without having to feel yeah. bad about it. And I like being able to, like, you have three minutes back there, which is a nice one drop to sack to write. You have your nice Planeswalker package of Elspeth, Sun's Nemesis, Soren the Mirthless, and Loth the Spider Queen. All of them make tokens. Um, and they all have the ability to kind of like help you go through your deck, kind of ignoring Elspeth. But Elspeth being escapable is pretty cool because if you're in a really big bind, you can always sacrifice Elspeth herself to write to kill something and then bring back her. Um, it's a cool deck. Um, I think it does run into the problem that all these Yorian decks run into. And that's like, you know, you're the whole reason this deck popped up again is right of oblivion was the thing that made people look at it again. Cause it's a very good card. Perfect for this deck. But the problem is it's a four of in an 80 card deck, right? Yeah. So how much consistency does it add to your deck to add four of a good removal spell and then just kind of go from there. Um, it, I would like to see. I know the Yorian thing is is a really big deal, but honestly, I would like to see someone try to build this deck without Yorian as your companion. I think having Yorian as a creature in your deck is cool, and and is fine with this deck. Um, but I would like to see a version where you try to trim down and make it a bit more consistent. It's like when we saw Inverter do the Inver- uh, Yorian thing for a little bit before the companion rule got nerfed. Um, yeah. And you had two versions of uh, Inverter being in Yorian or without. And I always thought the one without was better. Like, I I know you see enchantments and enchantment type deck and you're like, I need to play Yorian as my companion because I need that extra little value of like blinking in my shit and re like adding all the triggers but in the do stack. do you though? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to try this without Yorian and see if the consistency makes it better. Um, and I mean, look, you could easily trim it down pretty, pretty nicely. Um, if you cut Yorian, you go down to like 25 lands, right? Maybe 26 lands. I could see this deck being a little bit higher in the land count. Um, you probably cut your random one Blood Chief's Thirst, probably cut your Heartless Act. Um, you keep the two vanishing verse and the right of oblivion. I like that too. Uh, those two things. You go maybe down one or two Marius call. You don't need that many. Um, Kaya's wrath is fine. Do you need you, four go? Blink yeah, you could put like one or two in the side, move them away from yeah. there. Um, because some of these like, cyborg slots you see like work. one vanishing verse, one Kaya's, and that feels like it's kind of compensating for the fact that you're a Yorion deck. So yep. there's just matchups where I want more of this. But maybe if you don't play a Yorion deck, you actually open up those sideboard slots because you don't have that situation of I need more consistency because your deck already is more consistent. And yeah. that's always my big gripe with Yorion is that it makes your sideboard feel worse. Because it, they just yeah, don't show up as much. and it, it takes away a sideboard slot and you're in a bigger deck. Yeah. So your game one is better, but your game two and three are arguably worse. Uh, Not always, but arguably worse. And, you know, you play more game two and threes. You play more post-board matches than pre-board matches. So, you know, I want to very carefully weigh how much I might lean into having a better game one as opposed to having better sideboard games. 
Yeah, I, I think this deck really has a, a, a place to be tried out and played. Um, I just think people are so just boxed into this corner of like, I need to play Yorian with this enchantment deck because you know how powerful that can be where they're not willing to try it without it. And I think that, I think they should. I think we might be surprised by the results. If it's bad, it's bad. That's fine. But like, you're already three and three in the challenge, which is fine. It's not horrible. I mean, you, you went 50%. So let's evaluate, see what, I mean, again, I'd have to see this person's games and I have to see like what happened in those losses. But like, was it the fact that you just kind of draw the wrong part of your deck sometimes because it's a massive deck? Yeah. Did that have anything to do with it? Um, but yeah, I, I think you can put the forego blank in the side, um, cut a few things here and there. Do you need the full four fatal push in the main? You can probably do something in the side. Um, I do love the Planeswalkers, though. I do love Soren in this deck. I love the Spider Queen in this deck. I think that's fucking so sweet. Um, and Elspeth, this is a perfect home for it, too. And I think Elspeth being a one-of is appropriate. You don't need her to be a two-of or anything because she's escapable. Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. All right, so 26th place, we see Celestia Humans. Next was pretty sweet. I'm pretty close to owning almost this whole deck. But... Might get the last pieces. Um, 27 plays, blue-white control. Some interesting things to note. There's four Nars set in the main. She's back. Uh, she goes paired with her one-off commit to memory. Again, well done for not making your one-off your one days undoing. Because that sucks. Um, we see... Fight me. Two. Doomblade. Actually dies to Doomblade. In this deck. Which surprises me and really feels like you know you're trying to join Winoda and Phoenix in that arms race that I talked about I was like oh let's just ignore the fact that black decks exist right the one is an Izzet deck the one is a Naya deck the other deck that's played a lot is Burn that only has Luris that you can't kill with this I'll just run Doomblade and then hey, you know even Rakdos Pyromancer, the cards you want to kill besides Crocs are red. Yeah, so you know what? The more <laughs> I don't actually think that they, they might actually be right. Now they have a power word kill and two Doomblade in the deck and one Billful Mastery. Kind of a classic to see together with uh, Narset, the Billful Mastery. You know, I don't actually own any copies of Doomblade. But now that I look at it, should. Should this be part of my pile, Brad? The power word kill, heartless act, eliminate pile? Should Doomblade be on the pile? It, I think it might I have to be. I will tell you if there is a cool promo you can get. I actually oh, really is. like the Doomblade art with just the angel being the sliced list. in two. No, the list. Look at the one from the list. It's from uh, it's a, it's a promo for Magic Player Rewards, but it's it's cheaper on the list now. Ooh, just the full art, no no text. The like the dragon being cut in half. Yeah, then there's the Strixhaven Mystical Archive. I don't actually the, really like them, to be honest. They just I like the Japanese one. A bit too much going on. I don't really know what's happening. That's the beauty of it. Hey, okay, how about this? Just buy. Um, 
don't know if you can see it because I'm on TCG, so I just typed in Doomblade, so it shows all TCGs with that name. There's one from Mortal Kombat X, the card game. It just says <laughs> Doomblade. Just just buy those. Like this is my Doomblade. Or should I buy the one from Arch Enemy Nickel Bolas so it has the Bolas horns on it? That's the set symbol. That is flavorful. I also say though, I am a sucker for the border around 2010 2012 like those core sets like that time like the graph diggers cage from original innistrad and stuff is that border i'm a really big fan of that so i might get one of those. anyway there's a lot of cool ones to pick from and i i'm actually just gonna pick up a bunch of doom blades just because i think it's cool um and especially if you want to make the, some sort the of textless one is probably is what i would get it's just the the textless it is really cool i've also just never seen that before it's like a mechanical dragon being cut into bits but uh that is a huge flex though that's why it was only an online promo and they added it to the list that's why it's never been a paper before oh like it is a really big flex to whip out the doom blade like that's going to get you like some positive reactions, right? If you're playing Magic locally and you just whip out the old Doomblade. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. It, it's, it was originally part of the Magic Player Awards of 2011. Goes together with my negate. Um, anyway, that was yeah, 27th place. Fucking... Doomblade. Honestly, again, it's a, it's a pretty sweet pick. Go with the Doomblade. I... I I don't actually... I think they might actually be right on the money with it. Now, I don't know if it's better than Power Word Kill. And I like how they, they have two Doomblade, one Power Word Kill. Um, well, I mean, they, okay, let's think about this. Look at the cards that we named off of Power Word Kill that they it doesn't kill. They're the exact same cards as Doomblade. Doomblade. Corvold, uh, Mayhem Devil, um, even uh, the 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 demon out of uh, the mono black deck. Same thing. Uh, Spawn of Mayhem. And Doomblade actually kills Mutavolt. It does kill Mutavolt. So, you know, Power you're, Word Kill trading... doesn't kill Niv. Doomblade doesn't kill Niv. Yeah, there's the same cards. They're all the same cards. Now, you get the difference when you think Knight of the Ebon Legion, Rank or Master of Pranks, uh, that's where it's adding up. Where yeah, power well, word kill, that deck. where power word kill is like racking up score, and Doomblade's like, oh no. <laughs> I remember a game where I played. What was the card that says destroy target monocolored creature? Price of progress, uh, price of fame. And I played price mm, of fame. That's price of fame, right? Price of fame. The price of fame is the one that kills a legendary thing, right? No, that's cast down. No, 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 no. Their price oh. of fame is from Guild of Yeah, Ravnica. the one that's too too cheaper. Yeah, if what it's is a it? legendary. It's, is it ultimate price? Ultimate price is the one that kills the monocolored ones. Yeah, I, was, I have promos for that, but I never use them. <laughs> where I was playing... Yeah, I have those promos too. They're really sweet. Uh, where I was playing ultimate price against mono black, and my opponent's draw was just their play set of scavenge of uh uh what is it the two drop scrap heap scrounger they're four of uh, scrap heap scrounger 
and like a bunch of creatures like yeah you could kill these it just means that my scrounge are coming back and i was like bet you and my opponent literally said to me like bet you feel stupid now after they thought seized me and it's like yeah i do actually <laughs> jesus christ um, oh wow that's look what, at well, that what's... fuck the fuck the burn deck look at this soul tide delirium deck let's go I do really like um, Irmith. Lyremith is an I or an L? The, I think it's Imrith. Imrith. I love this card. I have a one of in my binder that I'm just like, one day. One day I'll play you. <laughs> I guess I have to build Sultai Delirium now. I just need to buy Jaces. It's the only thing I, that's what's kept me from buying or playing this deck because I don't own the Jaces. Yeah, but this, this person also. Si Wait, hold up. Okay, sideboard like they're playing a Karn deck. I mean, it's a, it's a, that makes sense. It's Delirium. It's, you have a toolbox deck. True. They're playing. Hey, look at the Culling Ritual. Hey. They're playing Path to Peril. I was just thinking, is there any way for this deck to make white mana? No. They can, they can never cast this for its alternative, for its uh, cleave cost. Which isn't a big deal, but I was just curious if they, at some weight. So 30th place, we Go. see another burn deck. And, you know, basically what you expect. This one running the... It's just burn. Yeah, there's no cemetery uh, gatekeeper here either. Place 31. Ragdoll's Arcanist. Also, I mean, deck kind of vanished again, didn't it? Um, it's still the fifth most played deck according to the percentages. But is that over what time spent is that? Is that 30 days? Yeah, let me change it to seven. See how it is trending now. Goodbye. You look on seven, it's oh, just it, not there. It is it is vanished. And you look on 14, it is still there. So, you know, smaller sample size. But Rectal's uh Pyromancer. And I initially saw Rectal's. I just want to tell this very quick one. We have a guy from like our old community when my from my old LGS. And he always makes these outrageous claims about decks, and sometimes he absolutely does not back them up. So he randomly just dropped in a chat, hadn't been on activity for a very long time. Like, when anyone want to, like, playtest some modern again a time soon, I made a Rakdos burn deck. It's faster than Boros. It's the only thing he said. No how, not with what card, under what circumstances. It just, I made Rakdos, it's better than Boros because it's faster. And I'm like... And he didn't say anything after that. He basically just wanted to, I think he just wanted to flex. Hmm. But he played shit like Vexing Devil. And it's like, yeah, because if my opponent takes the four, and it's like, they won't. They let you have the devil, and then they push it. But he, he doesn't think that way. So sad. Logic, logic need not apply. Um, 32nd place. Big Red. Cemetery Gatekeeper and Torbrand is a funny synergy. Every Which that I want to. True. Every time you do it, you take four, I take two. This is the mono red version of the deck I play. Only what I play. I just don't have Gatekeeper in. Um, but I also run a full playset of Rampaging Ferocidon. This is only the one. Also cool. Yeah. These cards are all really cool with Torbrand. Oh, yeah. I get punished, I you get it. Giga punished. Roiling Vortex, also a sweet one. Though, my favorite my favorite thing that works with Torbrand 
is the um, Cavalcated Calamity deck. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. Bolt you, bolt you, it's bolt like, you, wow. bolt you. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I used to love playing that on Arena. So much fun. I love that with Chandra's Incinerator. Uh, bad news for my friends over on uh, MTGO who play MTGO. In paper, this deck is $190. In MTGO, this deck is 248 ticks. Ow. Uh, Cemetery Gatekeeper is 73 ticks for a ah. new set. Oh, and Den of the Bugbear is, is 80 ticks. ticks. And it's 60 But Oh, that is clearly because uh, people draft on Arena now. Yeah. I think that's how you really see that these new rares from new sets, especially the lands, are going to... They're pretty expensive on Moto. All right. Sunday challenge. Roni. I mean, we're almost two hours into our recording and editing probably one and a half or something. A little less, a little more. Um, so we'll go a little bit faster because we also want to cover the other subject. And we'll probably bump into a lot of decks we've seen before now. Sunday challenge won by um, Lotus Field. Lotus Field beating out, not surprisingly, Gruul mid-range. But you touched on this a little bit earlier, Brad. How is this different from the Gruul deck we saw the other day? We see four Cemetery Prowlers four Wolfpack leaders. But the big thing is we see no dorks. There is no just trying to get there with like a turn two, three drop or whatever. Your lowest of the ground creatures are scavenging you as a werewolf pack leader and then you try to go off with Prowler. Um, again, remember, it is any graveyard, so you can exile your own creatures if you want to reduce the cost on those um, as well as your opponents um, if you need to. This is very mid-rangey. Running three questing beasts instead of the usual two. Still your four uh four glory bringer, two Clothis, which I I have a feeling that Clothis is way more important in this version of the deck than it is in the other uh version of Gruel, just because it is more mid-rangey and just kind of like, hey, I have big boys, you're not getting past them. Well, also like but you also have a little through little cards like cemetery powders, you have a few more pips in them potentially. Uh, mm-hmm. might get you to enable that cloth is a little earlier. Now, the other one has the dorks, but the dorks get swept up by basically anything that does damage. So it might be hard to keep your devotion at that point. Also running four play with fire. Yeah, what I like about this deck is that it has better top decks. Mm-hmm. Because dorks are obviously terrible top decks. So here, you do want to have a bit of an early pressure, so it's got play with fire which you could argue is not a very good top deck either. But at least that sets you up for a better next... So your next top deck is better, if need be. Mm-hmm. You're just staring each other down. It's like, just play with fire, you get the scry. So better top decks uh, than the other deck, which is quite nice. Also, that is what makes this a little more mid-rangey. You clearly see these like faster aggro-y elements. Werewolf pack leader, cemetery prowler, questing beast. But then, no dorks. So you come out the gate swinging a little bit less. But again, your top decks are better, so you're better looking into the later turns. And maybe through two drops like Scavenging Ooze, Werewolf Pack Leader, keeping the board clean with Mizium Mordars, Bonecrusher Giant, you don't really need a good turn two. Like that like one three jump. Because you will just make sure we both have a turn one, then nothing happens on turn two. Right? I'm not you do your thing, you do my thing, but it's bigger. It's just we both don't do a thing. And now I've still gone one drop, three drop, and we basically pretend like my turn two never happened. 
because I just use it to neutralize your turn two. And in this like context of a whole game, that kind of achieves the same goal. Yeah, I mean, they went five and one. They only lost to Lotus. Which is very so, much to be expected. Yeah. It runs Cinder Vine, but aside from that, this deck is, and potentially Gravedigger's Cage, aside from that, this deck is absolutely horrible against uh, against Lotus, and exactly the type of deck that Lotus tends, decks like Lotus combo decks tend to force out of the meta. Because you're not mm-hmm. low to the ground enough to kill them before they combo off, but you're not big and interactive enough to stop them from comboing and you're just in this awkward middle where they will absolutely run you over like they play an arboreal grazer you are never killing them on time before they combo off you need like and even cindervine to be honest it's one damage i can take three four five damage for a cindervine then get rid of it and still be perfectly fine to win the game afterwards yeah, needs a little bit more. I mean, I'm sure you could kind of shift the cyborg to be a bit more against Lotus, but I don't know. Then you're losing. Lotus is niche, right? You don't really mm. build your. It's it's a thing that's going on in modern right now, where Charbelcher is becoming a pretty, uh, a pretty popular deck. And Charbelcher is a deck that you can definitely tech against, but you tech against it with a whole bunch of cards that suck against other decks if you want to, like, hard target the deck. And then if you're looking in the context of a whole metagame, you're actually making your deck worse. Yeah. Now, if, need redundancy now, if 40% work. of the meta is Lotus, obviously you can. <clears throat> but otherwise, it's not really worth it for this deck. You will see once in a challenge, maybe. It's not enough to dedic- to actually dedicate sideboard cards to, as opposed to something like Mystical Dispute, that you could think, like, there's a lot of spirits, I want more copies of Mystical Dispute, but I'm also bringing that in against Control, Ramp if I really need to, etc. We see third. a lot of the same stuff. We see third place is Boros Burn, nothing really standing out different there. It's the 75 we come to expect. Um, well, for the most part, Cyborg is a little, it's Rending Volley, but it's four Searing Void, four Rolling Vortex, four Chain of the Rocks, two Rending Volley, and then your Luris. So that's pretty much the norm. Another Phoenix list with two Treasure Crews, one Temporal Trespass, uh, your one and one of Den, Bugbear, and Hollow Storm Giants. Looks like the pretty much the exact same as one of the other lists in the challenges, same 75 for the most part. Actually, I think it is the same 75. I see three charter cores, which I don't know if I've seen in enough, some of the other ones. I think it was two, the other ones, so they just add another charter course, it looks like. Small difference. Yeah. Um, another Orzhov humans list. Again, this is the exact same. Um, no, this runs one Kithian instead. The other one ran three Kithian, I believe. Well, there was like two or three of them in the last challenge. Oh, yeah. Man, I need one extra Thalia. I only ordered three Thalia because I was like, you don't need four, right? And I still think Can't Stay Away might be better than a fourth Thalia. But um, I own basically this whole list. One thing that the humans list makes me happy is seeing Containment Priest on the sideboard. I do love that card. 
sweet card for Phoenix uh, against Phoenix. Yeah. And I have Fee- well, four Phoenixes on the stack. And uh-huh. Winoda. Awesome. It's great against both. Yeah. All the creatures Winoda gets in, they all get in exiled. And Winoda definitely taps out to cast Winoda. So being able mm-hmm. to then, all right, go to combat, cool, containment priest. It's still a human. It's a two mana two two, so the rate isn't terrible, right? Next turn, you have a ready to ranks. You play um, a Thalia's lieutenant. It's now a three three or a four four, which is just a very respectable body to be attacking with. But it completely shuts them down. It really punishes against Phoenix. It is a little harder because Phoenix tends to have a lot of fiery impulses, that sort of thing. But this is really to like punish these really early phoenix draws where you know sometimes they just go you know turn one consider put one in the yard turn two charter cruise put one in the yard and you're like i am fucking dead and they go turn two they go uh, turn three they go like consider consider something else and then you just feel like you just basically immediately lose because the fast the start is too fast and this card still works very well against that type of draw. But maybe if you go a little bit later, it becomes a little bit less effective. But you don't really mind. Remember when we got Containment Priest and we kind of had the same reaction to it? Or at least the Pioneer community had the same reaction to it as almost like Thalia. Of like, wow, this is a card in Pioneer now. It's going to potentially Unbelievable. Look at how good it is in Legacy. It's like, yeah, against Reanimator and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But happy to see it see play because it is a it is a cool card, and it really it is a very interesting white card. Talk about white not having an identity. It can sometimes be because white gets very like niche effects like this that are actually really impactful, but not every meta calls for them. Where like mm-hmm. every meta calls for a good counter spell, basically. So if blue has counter magic, so good ca- good blue cards will see play. But we don't always need a Containment Priest or a Thalia or an Archon of Emeria or Deafening Silence, Rest in Peace. Even though these are super good cards, and it's kind of this problem we always say with white, it's it's a very good second color for your deck. So it's cool to see when a meta works in a way that a primarily white deck gets to shine because it can use all these different pieces. Number six, it's Claudio with his Yorian Niftalite running three Wandering Mind. <clears throat> Besides that, a lot of the same. A lot of what you'd expect. I don't think I see anything too out of the ordinary in this list. Four Fatal Push in the main. Something we sometimes see missing. There is three Go Blank in the sideboard. Um, recipe, so also still the three Mystical Dispute. No Dovin's Veto which is good to know when I play against people who just straight up copy Claudio's lists. Um, aside from that, no. Nothing too out of the ordinary, I think. Uh, let's see. Oh, we got... Um, oh, it's Feather, but with Mavinda, Student's Advocate, and Feather in the main. Well, and most importantly, Ancestral Anger. Yeah. Gains trample and plus X plus O until the turn where X is the is one plus the number of cards name ancestral anger in your graveyard draw card. That's a good card. It's basically just defiance strike five through eight. 
which is arguably the best card in the deck. Yeah. Also, um, Reckless Rage is pretty good right now. It kills Sting in the Ice. It kills Phoenix. At least it holds back Phoenix, right? Together with Feather, you can hold back the Tide of Endless Phoenixes. It kills Winoda. Uh, Obviously, it kills everything in Burn. Um, It (laughs) kills Edgar, for all that's worth. Um, Champion of Dusk. So it, it, it kills a lot of pretty important cards. And that's... Even though Ancestral Anger is obviously a great addition to Feather, I feel like it's almost more the strength of Reckless Rage. Because Reckless Rage is just, like, the strong card to, thing to be doing with Feather. Such a good card. Yeah, to see happy to go see for feather. blood. Didn't expect to see that. Or um, the Sergi shelter. I do like that to lower the land count. But no. Oh, and there is God's Willing. What card is missing from this that they sometimes ran? I noticed like the Homestead Defense or whatever from Vow that people thought was going to be good. The flashback card for plus one on one on Vigilance. They're not running the um, the one drop from Strixhaven. The wizard. Oh, yeah, no. Uh... What is that one again? Luminarch Aspirant? No, that's the one that adds counters. Oh, yeah. Um, Clever Lumimancer. Yes. Not running that. Yeah, a little. I guess favorite Hoplite and Swift Spear just come out on top. 10th District Legionnaire is just very nice to have a bit of a bigger body. Dreadlord Arcanist is kind of a mainstay. And then the Feather and uh, Mavinda just for the bonkers value that both of them provide. Love the sideboard Fiendslayer Paladin. Big fan. Still have mine. <clears throat> One day. One, One day. day I'll see light. <laughs> I like the, uh, the fight as one. Because it goes very well in the sideboard, because it's very good at protecting like your feather or Mavinda and then another card, one of your humans. Because the other cards yeah. are, aside from Dreadnought Arcanist, are all humans. There are 12 humans, and then there's 12 humans and 9 non humans. So it's a very nice split to really try and get that two for one out of this card. Yeah, I love Fido's one. I ran it in the main a little bit as like a two of. <clears throat> um, but I don't know about I mean Goverboard's fine Cycles I guess it's Cycles so you can do the thing of like cycle it and then cast it with Mavinda or cycle it cast it with Dreadlord Arcanist yeah but feels a little bit strange but I guess she just, you just wanted more interaction but you still wanted to be able to get those uh, Feather 10th District Legionnaire favorite hoplites and stuff off and I don't think There's... there is a one-mana fight effect outside of green. No. The the best one is the primal one. That's X and 1. Yeah, I mean, like, that's green. So yeah. you don't want to be going into an extra um, color just for that fight spell. Well, we have seen Naya Feather before that ran the enchantment. Season of Growth. Yeah, whenever you target a thing, you scry. Uh, you drew, and when a creature enters, you scryed. 
Even did better. something on both. Um, was a stretch for the mana though. Like people played it in standard because you needed like a larger quantity of some of these effects, but it did really hinder your mana base. Remember, people also maybe tried it with now. Jeskai. Yeah, maybe with pathways, that sort of thing. And the and the lands we just got from Midnight Hunt. Oh, I'm. They're actually. Um, so you know how there's the uh, the wiki that has like for all the lands and stuff. Yeah. They have the nicknames for them. The ones from Midnight Hunt and Vow are not called Slow Lands because Slow Lands are already a thing, apparently. Oh. They're called the Hunt Lands. That's awful. I know. That's what they. That's what they're calling the wiki or the Hunt Lands. The wiki is wrong. Um. Well, there's already a slow land. What apparently. are the slow lands? Uh, I can tell you in a second. Very curious now. The slow land are the cycle of uncommon lands that can be tapped for uh, colorless or one man of two allied colors. So they're from Tempest and Kamigawa. The Thaklos lowlands is the Azorius one. You can tap to add one or you can tap to add... White or blue to your mana pool, it doesn't untap to your next untap step. These aren't slow lands, they're just shit lands. Well, they're they're referred to as slow lands, apparently. I'll ignore that. But funnily enough, if you Google slow lands MTG, the next result is the hunt lands. Yeah. Because like we know what you're talking about. Exactly. Um on the list, so pretty sweet to see Feather show up again. Eighth place, we have Jeskai Ascendancy. Finally, finally, Jeskai Ascendancy shows up with some very kind of sweet tech or changes. What the fuck is Noyan? The favorite, yeah. People who play Commander know about this card. Noyan, Noyan Dar, Royal Shaper. Five mana for a 4-4. Legendary creature, Merfolk ally. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you may put three 1-1 counters on target land you control. If you do... It becomes a zero-zero elemental creature with haste that is still a land. This is so. It's another way to start growing all your lands. It's basically Jeskai ascendancy on a body for the all intents and purposes. Yeah. Uh, well, you actually still need the Jeskai ascendancy in play. I think. Well, you don't have to, but that's to really go off. But if you just play Noyan on turn five. And then on turn six, you can still start doing some pretty nasty stuff, even, um, you know, even without the Jeskai Ascendancy. Yeah, so see with that, we see one copy of Bring to Light. Um, to doesn't actually find your Jeskai Ascendancy, so I think that's just looking for Omnath, or then looking for Noyan. Though I don't know if this deck, aside from Sylvan Garriotid, is able to make black mana through any of its lands. Uh, and the answer to that is no. So that does actually require you to have um, call that to have a f- a Sylvan Carrioted out. Otherwise, you won't be able to get or Gigantha, I suppose. What I find really weird is the fact that we have a a wish board with only one wish card, one Fae of Wishes in the main. And you've committed to the entire full package wish board in the side. How does Fae of Wishes interact with Sylvan with uh, Bring to Light? How do adventure cards interact with Bring to Light? I don't know. We don't see Niv really run them. 
I might tell you something. I don't think it works. But I'm not sure. And I don't want to take the flow out by spending half an hour to look this up. Um, yeah, that would still be spent on... You can obviously... You could definitely bring to, uh, bring to light to get the phase on the battlefield as creatures and then bounce it back and do, do your whole spiel. But yeah, I do agree that it looks a little weird. Because what are you... What are you grabbing, really? It does open you up to having an extra Sylvan Awakening without needing to just put the Sylvan Awakening in your deck. Um, means you're also protected from extraction effects, which, you know, Nif uh, Bring to Light obviously has uh, Slaughter Games in the main deck. So having a way to not instantly lose to that is pretty sweet. Um, I don't think Fae of Wish is it's a non-creature, right? So you're not like... Because there is Leer in the sideboard, Disciple of the Drowned, but that card is obviously great when it's on the battlefield with this, but you can't tutor it up for game one. So it is a card you'd be boarding in. Yeah, this list is... It's quite something, but I am just happy to see it again. Yeah, that I think we, it's a good deck. We finally figured out, apparently, well, this person, and Scars <laughs> of God, I don't know, um finally figured out how to actually make Sylvan, um, make Jeskai Ascendancy work again and made it to top eight. So job well done. And as I, as we talked about, it's like in Jeskai Ascendancy, it doesn't feel like you can run the full four consider four opt because you needed room for like other things than just these draw spells. But there's probably yeah. more to the deck than just swap four opt for four consider. And this this person landed on four consider two opt, which I think looking at the rest of the deck seems about right. A little weird to, I mean, I I find it strange that you'd go to cut growth spirals. Um, to being two. But I don't know. <clears throat> I think Sylvan Carrier definitely has more value though for the deck. Because that helps you once mm -hmm. your uh, Jeskai Ascendancy is on the battlefield. So you care a little more about that. So I would cut into Grove Sparrow before cutting into that. Yeah. And this is still tried and true three treasure crews. And now one is in the sideboard to be tutored up. No uh, Temporal Trespass. Galvanic Iteration shenanigans going on here. Don't need the extra turn if your opponent is dead. It's very true. Ninth place, we see Demir Control with two Soren the Mirthless. This is just straight-up classic Planeswalker Control. 27 ways of interacting with your opponent with a test of talent in the main. You disgusting individual, but I love you too, but I also hate you. Um, <laughs> three Shark Typhoon, two Snarset Pardo Fills, <clears throat> two Soren the Mirthless, one Ashiok Nightmare Muse. It is running two dick through time, but no Torrential Gearhawk shenanigans here. Straight-up Planeswalker Control. They went five and one. They got fifth place. So, and they they said Soren felt really good. So, you know what do I know? Probably one of the cards Less where I me. where I committed the hardest on calling it shit, and now it seems to bite me in the ass. So hey, I'll find it in a bulk bin one day. Um, once it's out of standard. <laughs> what? The flying fuck is number 10. 
It is zombies, but not quite zombies, but quite zombies. Um, it's zombies going for the Lilian Untouched by Death random I'll kill you for infinite thing because you go shambling, you ultimate Liliana, shambling ghast, uh, Nantuko husk, you can keep repeatedly oh, sacking yeah, and, and you can over and over and over again. You can infinitely the grow champion token. of the parished and your Nantuko husk. Also, you, you yeah, make infinite zombies with Diagraph Colossus. Colossus. Yeah. But those zombies enter tap though. So you, you can build a giant board, but you don't actually win. There's no um what's that card called? No like way wayward wanderer or anything, no um Zulapor cutthroat. There's no card in this deck that actually allows you to win with this loop, unless you do have the ability to actually swing with your champion of the perished. Or your Nantuko Husk. Yeah, or your Nantuko Husk. But it is you can you can make your Nantuko Husk a fucking like if you have multiple Nantuko Husks, you can just do this loop and say, I'm gonna do this loop until I have a hunter hundred Nantuko and another hunter hundred Nantuko. And like a hundred hundred champion of Paris swing in. Yeah, okay, but you, that does right? require you to swing in. So you do need to have yeah. some sort of board to begin with, and the ability to actually swing in, because well, by they the don't time have you're trample. Liliana, you should have a board by then, right? But you don't ultimate. Well, it's the ultimate, but you can immediately ultimate her. It's a minus three, yeah, and she starts on four. So that's true. You don't need to have, but you can obviously build an enormous board, and if you have a board with. You know, and the Natuko Husk doesn't like... It's not like Rally the Ancestor where it goes away at the end of the turn. So you can make it ridiculously large, but you can also just say, I have 700 million zombie tokens. So now your Champion of the Parish is huge. Your Natuko Husk can be huge, and your board is very wide. So if your opponent does something like play a um play an anger of the gods you could just say okay i sack all my zombies and now i have multiple huge creatures and that probably mm -hmm. means you're winning the game um anyway but if they have a couple of spot removal spells your board is very wide the only thing here is sweepers actual sweepers something like shadow's verdict you're you're toast there's no backup here But we're not seeing Shadow's Verdict very much. This list, it just surprises me that this has Priest of the Forgotten Gods. I guess, I guess because you want to ramp. You can, yeah, you also can go wide pretty easily with things like Lazatep Reaver, um, Diagraph Colossus. You don't mind sacking your Shambling Ghast or your Citrus Supplier. So being able to do that and then clear something out of the way from your opponent do whatever things, draw a card. Like, I, I feel like it has value to it. I don't, I I don't think it's bad. It just there was more, looks a little more out of synergy. place. Yeah. But, like, the jump in mana is nice, and that's maybe what you'll be looking for when you play this card. It's also a zombie list that doesn't have any lords. Not surprised by that at all. Um, we, we talked about this because zombies just has nothing going for it except for, haha, lots of power toughness. Um, yeah. and that tends to not be good because it's just like it doesn't get have anything going for it. So then you're looking at this type of thing, like, hey, do I have some? Okay, I've got graveyard value. Who 
but that that's not very impressive. But let's see if we can have some sort of graveyard loop, and now it might actually be interesting. Now we can do something yeah. very powerful with this, as opposed to just power toughness is more than your power toughness. God, I wish Liliana was a three drop. Ooh, that would be quite something, though. Maybe if she would start with one less loyalty, so she would kill herself if she minuses. Mm -hmm. You can use her as like this one shot. You can cast zombies from your graveyard this turn. So admittedly, it is already a pretty powerful card. It is. Uh... I can I compare it to the other Lord Planeswalker in Soren for vampires. I'm just like, man. I mean, that's unfair. That's unfair, though. It's Soren. But that's the niche that we want, though, right? We want very powerful Planeswalkers in that narrow compass. Yeah, but we don't need them all to be generically powerful. Like, sure. There are zombie builds imaginable without Liliana. It's very hard to imagine a vampire's build without Soren. Yeah, he, like, he makes the deck. Most... I know some people have tried, like, with Luris and then, like, Rakdos aggro vampires or something. It's like, in my book your vampire's build is a 56 card deck because the other four are Soren mm -hmm. like I can't imagine building the deck in any other way maybe you could even argue it's 52 because it's four Soren four Knight of the Ebon Legion and and arguably if you're playing Soren you kind of want to play Champion of Dusk yeah but that, no. but that could arguably be like three or four because you might have like Kalidus's or other good cards to cheat in <laughs> I never go without the full four. I wouldn't it's either, but there's something to be... That might be... You might argue about that. I don't think Soren is really arguable. Um, and we see 11th place, Phoenix. This no temporal trespass shenanigans. Only one pieces of the puzzle. Um, more treasure more. cruise and a crackling drake for funsies. Yeah, so much, a bit more of a classic Phoenix build still. Uh, <gasps> actually... What the fuck? Yeah, I didn't notice either. This is Jeskai for Monastery Mentor, Leyline of, of Sanctity, Sanctity, and Wear Tear in the sideboard. Wow. This is spicy. You know, this person ended up 10th, so it can't be, can't be trashy and didn't do anything. Monastery Mentor is obviously there to win through graveyard hate that is the yeah. easiest way to go about it Leyline of sanctity surprises me it's good against burn somewhat good against bad burn. against i mean i don't know i'm not sure does like slaughter games target is that what they're afraid of i think it does does target player reveals yeah, it's so like slaughtering. They might be afraid of extraction effects, hand attack. Does go blank target? I think it, it does. does. Yeah. So that's probably what they're looking at in order to uh, to play with it, which I actually think is kind of cool. It's I think it's pretty sweet tech. I just think having, I mean the 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 blue. I mean the white splash is very minor. Two it's deserted beach, uh, eight. Two deserted beach, two needle verge pathway, and four oh, I didn't see the verge. edge gate pathway. No basic islands, but you're not 
just like a lot of the other lists, you're not playing Fable Passage anymore, so you don't really need to be playing a lot of basics or any. You could play a couple. Yeah, you want like not, maybe that field of protection, seeing... the field of ruin protection or something. But even that's not very common anyway. Yeah, we don't see very much field of ruin or even land destruction in general. And a lot of the other lists that we saw went to do like turret stuff. They found they tax their mana base a little more by running like two or three mana lands. This person decides I'm going to tax my mana base a little bit more by splashing a color, which I think is is a fair point to make. You know, yeah. the monastery mentor is pretty good. Wear tear can be very valuable. Um, Leyline of Sanctity can be good, and. It's Phoenix, so if it's not in your opening hand, there is strategic planning, allows you to throw it away. Piece of the puzzle allows you to throw it away. Consider charter course. So uh, expressive iteration, you could just not pick it and put it on the bottom of your deck. So there are definitely ways to work around the downsides that ley lines traditionally have. I like it. Then we see monogreen planeswalkers. Haven't seen it in with a Karn while again. with Karn, but very much the lists we saw back in the day. So yeah, it's running three tangled oh, four hedron. That's cute. Our little planty boy. Uh, then we see John Citadel show up. Yep. Also very reminiscent of less we've seen before. Four Leyline of the Void in the sideboard, though. Also, um, you know, trying... Uh, Trying to enter the, the, the speed race against Phoenix and going that lower to the ground. We got to go faster. You know, they're doing the turns mm -hmm. things. We have to race that graveyard hate. You know, uh, this must, this must have been such a feel bad. You're the person that plays Phoenix with Leyline because you're like, oh, I'm going to get them with their go blanks and their slaughter games. And then your opponent's just, and you're, I have a pregame action. Your opponent's like, me too. Leyline of the Void. <laughs> you would feel robbed. You would feel so robbed if that happens to you. Yeah. It would feel really bad. But you can't ping your opponent indefinitely with Mayhem Devil now. True. Oh yeah, that's right. It's pretty spicy. I think Priest also targets. Uh... Is it each opponent or target opponent? I think it's target player. You could somehow target yourself. No, any number of target players. I always found that wording so strange. Um, 14th place, Orso Vampires. Uh, 15th place, Orso Ride to Oblivion. 16th place, we see... Um, what is this? Uh, Azorius and Soul show up again. Yep, been a while for that one too. 17th place, Ors of Humans. Uh, not actually, which I find very fun, not a Luris deck, but instead an Adeline and General Kudrow deck. So going a little taller, bringing in some pretty good top end, as opposed to having that grindy element with Luris. Kind of similar to like what that Celestia Coco deck was doing. We're going to shave mm. off the Lurish valueist package, and we're just going to add a little more oomph to our deck overall.
uh, or Winota, another Winota. one of Velager uh, Evolution in- instead of the... This is the same list we saw. Looks it's probably the same person. Um, you know, they're playing Kenrith, though. That's the difference. They cut one of their Brutal Cathars for a Kenrith. Hmm. Everything else is the same. Two Selfless Spirit, two Voice, no Ranger class, one Eldritch Evolution. Never been a big fan of Kenny in these lists. Toski in the sideboard. Ooh, ninetieth ooh, place. Ooh, this is uh, this is a blast from the past for me. This was my second pioneer deck. Orzov yeah. Rally the Ancestor Zombies with Liliana and um, does it even run? It doesn't actually does run not. the loop. This just runs Liliana Untouched by Death just to fuel the yard with the potential to play One back. tainted adversary as well. Yeah, it, it doesn't even run Nantuko Husk, which is generally how you would avoid the downside of Rally that says at the end of the turn Exile, which meant that mm-hmm. all your zombies would leave and your second Rally you would have to completely build towards that second Rally again. Instead, you would just play Nantuko Husk, which can even sacrifice itself, go for the Rally, Trigger on the stack to XO everything. Nope, all back to the graveyard. Because of Nantuko Husk. And that that's not in the deck. Though I will say, you often didn't need it. Because your opponent was probably dead in one rally. You know, yeah. I played this in a meta that had like a lot of blue-white, absorbing your cards early, bumping their life total up. Um, and also the potential to like interact with you a little bit more. That's why you potentially were looking for the... T- second third rally or even something like return to the ranks which was also plays an upzum rally that was played later on which dropped the zombie theme in a for in favor of just more power and fiend artisan so i kind of get where they're going for champion of the parish allows that aggro plan yeah because now you have champion of the parish you can actually start chipping away at them i mean look turn one champion of the parish turn two lazatip reaver is a three three coming in yeah that's good so so yeah, I, yeah. I like this deck. I think this is a sweet, sweet take on zombies. Uh, again, trying to do something other than this has no lords either. We don't do power and toughness here. We just do. We do something else, something in addition to that. Mm-hmm. And here we see like the four way. And this is like the difference with the other one that we saw. They didn't have that combo element. This one runs full four corpse knight, four wayward servant to get that instant drain win. And also interesting with Champion of the Parish, that means you often have to go for smaller rallies. Whereas if you were being a lot more dirtily in your early game, that meant you often had to look for an actual rally for 17 or 18 damage. But in this case, you might be looking at a 12 damage rally, which is trivial in this deck, I can tell from experience. It's trivial to get a rally for 12 damage. You know what's funny? Well... Their choice of sweeper in the sideboard is citywide bust. That is awesome. I really like. We're not that. going. High, we're not going higher in our power and toughness, so we're going to make sure that the opponents that do don't have a board, and we can swing in. Excellent for the zombie mirror. <laughs> you play against that previous opponent. Oh no! Wait, they would have the million zombies, so they would also go very wide. But yeah, I think it's pretty sweet. I mean, if one there is one thing that zombies are good at, it's chump blocking. Uh, chump blocking. So you go up against yeah. Winoda, and you're like, "All right, I'll just your Toblerone Huntmaster and stuff come in. Yeah, I'll throw away some zombies, whatever. They'll be back. Citywide bust. 
Definitely yeah. an underplayed card. City White Bus can be very good. In a... It's hard to find the right meta for it. Yeah, it's same as uh, Dusk, Dusk Till Dawn. Also very good, but you need, you need the right meta. Right meta and the right deck, but very powerful when you find the spot where they can be played in. Um, Soren Solemn Visitor in the sideboard is interesting. I think that's just to divert away a little bit from that Graveyard Reliance. I'm a little surprised by it. It's like, you play one. <laughs> like, yeah. We dodged a Graveyard Hate by playing this one sideboard card that jukes it. Yeah. You're still going to be having a pretty rough time against Graveyard Hate. Oh my, 20th place. Demir. Demir Control with three Soren the Mirthless. Good card. Definitely gain their Mirth. Another random Tesla Talents in the, in the main. Oh my god. I'm going to lose games today already. I can smell it. 21st place, Bolas of Citadel. Let's rapid fire through the rest and talk about our other subject a little bit. Um, Rakdos... Rakdos, Thick Boys. Boys, featuring Bloodthirsty Adversary. Yeah. Very cool to see that one. Um, then we see Winoda with two Eldritch Evolution. So going and leading a little bit more into the combo part. 24th, we see... Oh, this is the uh, the Blood Fountain the deck. The Artifact. Yeah, the Artifact deck. With, with Herald of Anguish and Sly Requestioner. Karn Sign of Urza. That is a nice one for this deck, too. Yeah, so just put put a whole bunch of crappy artifacts on the battlefield and then cast Sly Requisitioner, Herald of Anguish, Karn Sign of Urza, and try and abuse that like large number of artifacts you got already, even including a Phylactery Lich in the sideboard, which I think is super cool. Hold on, dude, are you running... Oh, they're not running the Indestructible Artifact Land. Yeah, I'm surprised there's zero Darksteel Citadel in here. While you want Phylactery, uh, Phylactery Lich. Is there another indestructible Battle artifact the in this deck? No, there isn't. So it is a little, it's a little scary, but not that much artifact removal running around. So hey, I wonder when this comes in. But and I mean, there's not a lot of artifact removal in Phoenix, right? They're an Issa deck, but they don't run Prismari Charm. They don't run no. Brazen Borrower. They don't run Wear Tear, because most of them aren't Jeskai. They don't run a Braid. Yeah. And there's two Phylactery Lich. So even if they have like that random one of that one a Braid or whatever, they. That's it. Pretty sweet, actually. I like that a lot. Though I would run, try and run like a Darksteel Citadel. Even one and oh, not one on the sides you could tutor it up because the other card, but still sweet. 25th place. Let's continue to rapid fire, but we have to stall for that. Um, is it Phoenix? Temple Phoenix. Trespass. Shenanigans. Uh, 26th place. Ors of Humans. Featuring Mardu Woe Reaper. Very nice incremental graveyard hate. Um... 27th, Ors of Burn, 28th, Phoenix, 29th, Winoda, 
30th is... This is Ors of Humans. Uh, sorry, this is um, Celestia Humans. With Hamlet Vanguard. But actually, and I haven't actually checked in the build of humans that I made, it might be Gigantha eligible. Though I completely didn't pay attention to that. Yeah, I should look that up. I think it is. I think I'm allowed to put Gigantha in the deck, so I definitely should. Which one? Uh, the Celestia Humans deck that I'm going to uh, try against uh, oh, for the yeah. Werewolf Showdown. I believe that deck is Gigantha eligible. And if so, I should run it. Because it's free. Um, also an interesting way, the other deck could do it. One was Orzov, and the other one run Adeline, so they can't do it. But it might be an interesting way to see we can go humans, we can go a little bit larger, and we don't actually have to really lose the companion value of Luris, because we'll just get Gigantha. Just swap one companion from another. No, very, very flavorful for the human staff companions, right? That's the thing in Ikoria. They can have multiple companions. They can have friends. Yeah. Um, and then 32nd place to round it out. Temporal Trespass, Treasure Cruise, Phoenix. And after about two hours, that wraps up the challenges. We did it. I will say I didn't look at the challenges beforehand like I usually do. And I kind of regret it because, holy shit, that was a lot to process. <laughs> it was. Could have done with some prep. Note to self. A lot of cool spice. A lot of things are being done for innovation. Some car some decks that are coming back from the past that are seeing play again. Um, we'll have to see if the meta continues to open up. Um, the rise of Phoenix and Winota is still a thing to keep an eye on, but it could kind of, you know, go back down a little bit. The one thing is we're not seeing, we're seeing a lot of humans lists with Thalia, but we're still seeing more Phoenix lists make it into top eight than the humans lists. So the idea of like Thalia being the card to kind of like shut down Phoenix or like help it along the way. I don't know if that's the case. Well, I mean, um, we saw humans decks not make it before, and Thalia yeah. is not good against Winoda, and it's not amazing against Burn, though pretty good. So the fact that humans now shows up in reasonable numbers might mean it doesn't like shut down Phoenix, but it does give you a fighting chance, which you didn't have before. That's true. And the one thing we were going to talk about was we were kind of alluding to the idea of um, what do we do moving forward with Pioneer in general? Um, we talked about this last episode too when I put that poll up and stuff. Um, and we want to kind of briefly go about like what do we do about bannings if we need to get to that point? And you made the tag of not much the if, but more the how. So what do you mean by how as opposed to the if? Yeah, so because I want to I wanna emphasize first... Um, I've been playing, well, when, when we were the initial pioneer wave and we had the, the band talks, then I played a ton in paper. So I, and a lot of like, with a lot of competitive people went to some tournaments and stuff. So I saw what like the 
what the meta was like a little bit more firsthand. Now I play on the server, people play a little bit more what they want due to COVID. Local events have been cancelled again, so I, once again, cannot play Paper Magic. So I am less... I know what the meta decks do, but I'm sort of like less in touch with the meta than like someone who grinds MDGO or something would be. Just not much for me, much more of a paper guy. So I find it hard to judge if we should ban Phoenix, because even though it's an or Winona, which has now come up too, because its metagame share is huge. It's rivaling Phoenix. And together they make up about 40% of the meta. Which is can be problematic. But in my experience, I don't really mind playing Phoenix and against Phoenix and Winona. And the only thing that I kind of think like you should only ban if people like aren't having fun. Right? If the meta would consist of four decks, but these decks are absolutely awesome to play and everyone's having a blast, metagame share doesn't have to be an issue. Yeah. So, but I think what we can talk about is if we should ban, how do we ban? So what cards are we looking at? And what is the kind of philosophy we think he should go into when they are looking to address problems in the format. And I think where we can start is at Phoenix, because there's been a lot of talk about that. For example, do we ban the Delve spells? If we ban the Delve spells, and the Delve spells before Temple Trespass was up, everyone's like, it's Dig Through Time and Treasure Cruise. They are, quote-unquote, the Delve spells. Do we ban those? If we ban Treasure Cruise, aren't they just going to play Dig Through Time? Um... Uh, or should we ban the phoenixes, or should we ban another card? And a thing that came up through, uh, for example, you said Crew 3 brought it up, and I think there's a lot of merit to it, but they were suggesting to, if we have to address something, ban Thing in the Ice. Because Thing in the Ice, for example, works quite well against Thalia, so that makes it less of a problem. It works very well with the Temple Trespass, because it's 7 power, so it does that big one-two punch to immediately take someone out of the game. It basically solves a lot of problems that a deck like Phoenix would have. So, banning Thing in the Ice neuters Phoenix to the point where it's probably less of a meta share, less of a win percentage, but it's not dead. Whereas if you take out... Well, initially I thought if you take out Treasure Cruise, the deck might die. But we've actually seen decks with zero Treasure Cruise in them just relying on Temporal Trespass, so that's not even true. If you take out Phoenix, I mean, the deck is called Is It Phoenix? Yeah. That deck's dead if you ban Phoenix. Well, I disagree. Because I think you can just go into four Thing in the Ice, four Crackling Drake now, and become a bit more control lenient in terms of how you approach the game. Because we've seen some of those versions with no Phoenix... Um, playing just Crackling Drake in that slot instead, be successful to some degree. And I think that would still be a deck. It would still be a is it spell slinging deck? And I just lean on Crackling yeah, Drake the, instead. No, I mean, is it spells could be a deck. But I'm thinking like, I'm thinking sort of like what draws people to a deck? Like, what's the essence of playing a deck? So yeah, if you ban Phoenix, you could probably play is it spells, but it's probably going to put a lot of people off playing the deck. Because a lot of people just really like Arclight Phoenix. I mean, people played it in standard religiously, even though it was bad. Just because they really yeah. like that, like, 
oh, it feels like I'm cheating. I get this four mana card for free. And when that game plays out, you're kind of just spell slinging and then going, okay, Drake, Velocity, boom. Doesn't have the mm. same appeal to it for people as playing True. straight up Phoenix would. But do you think that is a good way? How would you address it, Brad? What would you be looking at to? It's hard because you're going to upset someone no matter what. If you, we talk about this with like um, Hogak and KCI for Modern, right? Where they ban Bridge from Below and or Faithless Looting instead of actually just banning the problem card being Hogak. Um, so my gut tells me based on historically looking at decks and bannings, just hit the card that is the namesake of the deck. And that's, in this case, would be Phoenix. But I don't feel like Phoenix is a deck that's inherently broken to the, or even the card isn't thing that's broken enough to like warrant that. It's the, it's the fact that it has these amazing cards around it. So like maybe you can hit thing in the ice, but then like I look at like what happens in two months when Phoenix is still at 20% and we're like, well shit thing in the ice. They just found a different card for the deck and it's, it's still doing the same thing. It's winning 70% of the game and now it wins 65% of the games. It's like, yeah, yeah, you you've hit it, you know, you've given it a good whack, but it's still there. And then you're probably like, man, I guess we should ban Phoenix. What do you do now? You unban thing in the ice again? You you leave it mm-hmm. on? Are they gonna is that the card that's now at hidden thing in the ice only was 5% for Phoenix, but now the is it spells deck comes back and you unban thing in the ice and now that's 60%, so that's actually still too much. Do you go back and ban thing in the ice and you create this like really weird limbo and you're going to have a lot of bans and a lot of unbans and unbanning a card and then banning it. They've tried that once before with Golgari Grave Troll. That card is now just staying on the ban list for good. Yeah. And if you look at Modern now, it's probably totally fine because Dredge is literally dead. Um, but they are absolutely not doing that because that is the worst thing you can do for consumer confidence. You can have it, you can't, you can have it, you can't, you can have it, you can't. You, we can't do this. Suspending cards in Historic doesn't even work, and it's an online format. But to everyone, it just yeah, feels it, like a ban. Yeah, and I, I know how it feels to have Dex banned from underneath you, because I've had two in Pioneer. Kethis and Wilderness Reclamation. Two decks that I, were playing, I was playing a lot. And then Kethis got banned, so I switched over to being playing Rec full-time instead of kept this and then that got banned from underneath me so i get it it doesn't feel great to have decks that you like to play banned out from underneath you um so i definitely i I understand the idea of like we don't want to hit phoenix itself because that if that actually does kill the deck then it kills the whole point of me wanting to be in this format and like you get risen for example the whole reason he plays pioneer is phoenix that's his deck yeah so phoenix got killed that's a pioneer player we would lose. And that, that, that is probably true for a a decent amount of people. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew people that were other Kethis players, like in, cause I was in like the Kethis discord when Kethis got banned, good chunk of them just stopped playing pioneer. Like they didn't find a different deck cause that was their deck. And it's different for you or you or I, cause if we get a deck banned underneath us, we have this foothold in the format. Uh So deeply i will say we if we will find i mean deck. my thing is that i just you know just never play good decks and then they'll never get banned from underneath you but True. like 
you know, for example, if they would ban every Bolas card because fuck you, it would definitely like hurt my interest in the format. So like I can I can understand and I've yeah. I've played different games where, you know, obviously in digital games they get to nerf things, but like when there was a thing um people who have played League of Legends for a very long time will know what I'm talking about. There's a character in that game called Vagar, and he basically created this circle. And everyone on the edge of the circle would get stunned. And they would basically die. Because the character did a lot of damage. It was a very effective ability. They gave that ability a delay. Because normally what would happen is you would just put the edge of the circle instantly on someone. They nerfed that. I literally hated the game for like a year. Because basically the only champion that I played was just stomped into the ground. And I I fucking hated it. So I totally understand how awful it is. But you also got to realize that sometimes you got to you got to rip the bandaid off. Because otherwise you're just going to create other problems in the future. And if you don't want to address that core thing, you have to fuck everything or else uh, around it up. Oh, you really want them to keep Phoenix. So now you're going to ban thing. Oh, still too good. Ban Cruz. Too good, ban Temporal Trespass. Too good, ban Dig Through Time. Oh look, that's the Lutri deck. That cool Lutri brew doesn't work anymore. Oh, Demir Control is shit now because you banned Dig. Oh, no version of Is It Spells works anymore because you banned all the good cards to keep Arclight Phoenix in the format. And that, first of all, just... Cr- it, so it kills other decks. There's a lot of collateral damage when you do this. Um, And... It also creates a really weird ban list that doesn't make sense. And I think this is where we can move into a part of talking about Winoda, because I think that's where it applies the most. Because Winoda is full of weird cards. If you don't ban Winoda, are you going to ban Tovalor's Huntmaster? Brutal Cathar? Asikias Chariot? Like, what are you banning that doesn't just look really odd and also importantly kills a bunch of decks of players that we don't even know about mm. there are people at your fnm that are gonna play celestia cats and they just took a huge hit because your uh your Seekers chariot is gone i've heard someone who was sold the new hellbreaker horror i was like that's a horror um thing in the ice is a horror they think i think they had another card it's like horror control and like you think when people boot it like oh that's a stupid deck or it sucks or why would you even play that but you always got to keep in mind that the competitive magic players that are like oh just ban all the random crap that doesn't show up in other meta decks anyway we are probably the minority well, probably. Yeah. We are the minority by a large part. And even for Pioneer, Pioneer is going to have a lot of casuals because we're a magic format and magic formats have casuals. I need to keep in mind that sometimes you need to take the competitive players and say like, you guys are doing something broken. We're going to take that toy away from you because we don't want to take all the other toys available. Um, we don't want to take all the toys away from all the other people you'll never hear about. So that's why I'm very much of the opinion 
that if one of these decks become problematic, ban the namesake card. Yeah, Phoenix is too good, get rid of Phoenix. Winoda is too good, get rid of Winoda. 100 Luris decks running around, don't start banning Boros Charm and Monastery Swift Spear. Just, just ban, ban Luris. You know, don't, don't blanket ban all companions because companions are stupid. No, ban the ones that are actually problems. Yeah. And this is the other thing where it's like, we've seen this happen before, right? Where a deck, Phoenix was already on the rise, right? And Winota was starting to creep up a teeny tiny bit, but it was more impactful for Winota than Phoenix. But they both have something in common. The introduction of new cards from Midnight Hunt and Consider in your Werewolf package really boosted these decks and allowed them to find more innovation, right? That's and Galvanic iteration now. That's like the new yeah. big thing for Phoenix. Exactly. Now, when you look at that, it's easy to be like, well, the new cards that just came out is what put this deck over the top. So clearly, you have to ban the new cards. That First of all, that, that does two things. One, it's against Wizards philosophy right off the gate they hate banning new cards they yeah hate banning cards from new sets we should have so banned heliot but we definitely banned walking ballista because heliot was still on the front of boosters that were currently being sold yes but here's the other side of that that's a problem let's say wizards didn't have that philosophy and they're fine with banning literally whatever they don't give a shit and let's say they're like yeah you're right consider is too good for phoenix let's just ban consider and that does have collateral damage. It does hit a lot of other decks that are playing Consider because it's a blanket, generically good, powerful Jeskai card. Jeskai Ascendancy, Demir Control, Azorius Control, Azorius control all take hits. But this, but, watch, but this is what would happen. I guarantee you. A few months later, Phoenix would still be at a high percentage. You know why? Because sometimes what happens is when you get a new card that creates interest and buzz around a deck that wasn't played as much as it probably should have been, people tend to realize how powerful that deck was in the first place where they should have been playing it five months ago and they should have been playing it uh, like as it was prior to the new card. So you I hit mean, the new card th that shouldn't be hit. That but is, the deck was already That powerful. is literally the story of Phoenix because expressive iteration yeah. came out. People thought like, oh, maybe this makes Phoenix good. They played Phoenix again and they initially thought that expressive iteration was a shit card for Phoenix and they didn't play it, but the deck was still good. Because yeah. we always talk about how unexplored Pioneer is. So sometimes all it takes is a nudge to get people exploring. And even as you, perfect, as you said, perfectly, you take that thing away. All the deck needed was more information. And it got that. Yep. And now people are playing Galvanic Iteration Temporal Trespass. And are you going to ban all of those cards too? Yeah. And then what are you left with? You're left with a ban list that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Ban list that doesn't make sense. A bunch of people that are angry. Ton of collateral damage. Decks banned that make no sense to be banned. Um, and I, I think a good example for this too is that collateral damage. Is this was in standard when a tune with Ether got banned. And my girlfriend at the time, my girlfriend played Magic at the time, and she's trying to get back into it again. Uh, I hopefully can get her to learn Pioneer and then go to a Pioneer event with her, which would be awesome. So she can whoop my ass again and rob me of an FNM promo like she did like the last time I took her to an <laughs> FNM. Um, and she played Black Green Energy, which was a good deck, but nothing crazy. But 
yeah. a tune with ether got banned and it, and it feels like who cares right very basic art just put in something else but it was actually she was actually quite upset because she was like what did i do wrong right and it's like well nothing but she was a she's a real casual player she plays cards because she likes them she likes a tune with either because the because the picture is nice right and, and it's a nice card to play because it feels good to fix your mana so that's never an issue because she doesn't like playing with complicated mana bases and she just wants a lot of basics and you know, have a more plain game in front of her, and she doesn't want to do too many, too much counting. So just energy is enough. And now you take that away from her, and that is just a person who is now less interested in playing Magic, even though their deck wasn't broken. They weren't doing anything wrong with it. They didn't pay attention to the meta, so they have no idea why this happened to them. And now, why? When you could have banned yeah. in that format, for example, you could have banned Whirler Virtuoso, because that deck was unique to that deck. Uh, that card was unique to that deck, and Attune with Ether wasn't. Not saying they should have done that at the time, but just as that example, why don't you just target ban a deck rather than take away... Aside from Thing oh. in the Ice, that would still suck for casuals. But every other card in Phoenix that you would take away hits meta decks that should not be hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, even your Attunivathor example, Adrian was a collateral in that because he played... The Pummeler. Uh, Pummeler. And that's one of the best cards in Pummeler. Fix your mana, adds your energy that you need. And he, he lost a meta deck. Or like a, a fringe meta deck. Like he won a... Um, uh, what was it? Was it PTQ at the time? Uh, I think it was PTQ. Yeah, he won a PTQ with it on Pummeler for the ban. Um... But yeah, like but he lost his deck. And that's that's still his favorite deck. I'm trying to convince him to play Pioneer, and I was like, maybe you should play Winota. Like that's similar and like with the kind of decks you like. He loves Feather, so maybe I, I just sent him a picture of the Feather deck that made it to the challenge with uh, Minerva or whatever. So like maybe he can play that. Those are decks he likes. But but it's not, it's not that it's not that easy though, because like it's sometimes hard to go back to like. You're not going to tell your girlfriend to play Green Black Energy and Pioneer. I tried. It won't be good. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> like when I tried playing Hapatra and Pioneer. Ouch. Not that must have been a painful experience. Oh, it was really bad. I was like, I was starting to be like, maybe I should be like a Hardened Scales deck to like add more counters and stuff. But then it's just like, why not just play your good Hardened Scales cards instead? play like walking blister but anyway Sad. i think to wrap this up so we don't start like repeating ourselves too much if bans need to happen we should ban namesake cards we should look at the examples that we've seen in modern oh yeah the first point is we should look at what we've seen in modern with kci and hogak now phases looting was a correct ban in general but hogak kci Ban the damn cart that's broken and the deck's named after. Don't ban all the crap around it. And we should very much, even though it's going to kick people away from the format because they lost the deck they love, they love for that exam, uh, exact same logic applies to a ton of people that will suffer the collateral damage if we ban other things. And even though you're looking, well, forces people away, health of the format, blah, blah, blah. Magic 
lives by its casuals. The competitive players add a lot to it, etc., etc., but Magic without casuals would have died. Mm-hmm. Because they are the silent major, major, major majority. And we should also consider those people. I think that wraps up the best. And also, just for talking about the meta in general, Lord of Winoda, Phoenix Overpower, blah, blah. This is probably like the sweetest list of challenges that we've seen in a long time. Now it's, mm-hmm. we don't know what's going to stick, but my God, there were a lot of amazing decks in this challenge. This is one of these challenges yeah. that you could send to someone and be like, dude, pick something. Come play Pioneer. It's awesome. There is something for everyone here. Yeah, we really. had an actual mid-range deck. And it came in second. What else do you want? That's true. We just need to try to get scales to work. Then we'll really have something for everyone. Get rid of Heliod, bring back Walking Ballista. Heliod's out of standard now, but no one cares. But my life gain deck. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, that actually right, seems reminders. Like yeah. Reminders of the door. We are the Pioneer Perspective, the official podcast of the Playaway Discord server. We got merch on inkgaming.com. Two links in the description. The first one is a link to our actual store for all of our merch. If you don't want that, click the second link, and that takes you to our affiliate link and allows you to get any cool thing off inkgaming.com, whether it's with our faces or not, and we still get a little bit of the proceeds. Thank you so much for that, by the way. And of course, we have Twitter. Alex, you have a at name. What is it? At Disciple of Bolas. You can follow him on Twitter and see all the cool magic stuff that he tweets about. You can follow me on Twitter at Bradsifer. Still magic stuff, but a little bit less in comparison to Alex. Uh, so yeah, do that. And otherwise, you guys are awesome. We appreciate you. Um, if We haven't done mailbag in a hot second because we were behind, so we were actually answering some mailbag questions straight to the people themselves when they were writing them to us because uh, we didn't have time to record them on the show due to like spoilers and stuff like that. But now that we have the time again, uh, for at least the next month before Kamigawa spoilers start up in like 35 days or something. Oh God. Um, I know. Uh, we'll be able to answer some. So if you want to be featured in the show and have a little shout out and have your questions answered, whether it's magic related or not, you can ask it to us, whether it's on Twitter, the discord channel uh, for play or the discord play away for that kind of thing. You could reach out to us on Reddit, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. We'll find a way to hear you out. Otherwise, thank you again. You guys are awesome. We love you. Appreciate you. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody.